The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. As a mother, wife, co-worker, and much more, you have to take care of so many people. Your kids, your husband, your employees... So how are you taking care of yourself? If you find that you need a pill or drink to be all the things you're expected to be, that's a problem. But we get it, and we can help. Karen's Grandview program has been leading women just like you to recovery for over 60 years. Talk to us. Visit karen.org grandview. Yes, here we go. I've got my mate and Sky Sports presenter, David Pratt. Pratt, how are you doing, mate? Sai, it's an absolute pleasure. It's been a long time. I've, I've been keeping tabs on you from afar, not in a sense of sitting outside your house in a bush with a lens, but seeing what you've been doing. And, and I've, I've been thoroughly enjoying it, mate. So when you asked me to come along after I pestered you to get me on, uh, it's, it's just a privilege. Thank you very much. I'm just returning the favour because I had to watch you for a year sitting on the bench at Swindon. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and, you'd ne- and you'd never call that entertainment by any stretch of the imagination, would you? <laughs> I actually need to apologise to you. Did I not get you glassed on any yet? You, I tell you what, the, if ever, if anyone's listening to this who um, is very fortunate enough to play at whatever level of professional football that me and Si actually did for that particular season, um, and you managed to get or, or to be quite a big part in that team getting relegated. Don't go into town on the night you get relegated of that for the one and only time of that season, and not expect anything but trouble. Which is exactly what happened. And I've never been to Swindon since on a night out. That was a shit show, wasn't it? Uh, I've got to hear me the cleverest guy I've played with. It's no surprise as you're on the telly. Um, you're the only guy as well who have sent the questions to, and they've got back to the spelling mistakes. What's that all about? Uh, I was trying to work out if, if actually the brains behind the outfit had sent it or you had sent it. And I, I presume it was a mixture of both. The bits done in crayon were your questions, weren't they? And the type stuff was, was from the boss. <laughs> and you too as well, mate. You were one of the angriest guys I've played with. And, uh, both went together a couple of times when you went on the poshest rants ever, man. Do you remember? I do, I do. And I just remember looking around the dressing room and there'd be like you biting your lip, there'd be David Lucas biting his lip, there'd be a couple of lads looking quizzical and the rest would have lost interest. But I, I felt defiantly that I'd made my point, however daft I sounded. Well, do you know why I was biting my lip though? Go on. Because Dave Lucas was sitting naked. <laughs> now that'd be licking your lips, wouldn't it? That'd be biting your lips. <laughs> uh, tremendous I, I meant to say though like when I did first see you presenting I was a bit surprised because like mate I always thought you'd be like a hippie living in a field selling magic mushrooms like what made uh, you go to that, go to that straight away I think if I'd have been single with no kids I might have actually gone, gone down that road but when you when your football career comes to an end as, as when you're privileged enough to do it as, as we were then you've got to uh, apply your trade somewhere else and I was fortunate enough to be uh, from a timing point of view there were more games getting shown and I got um, quite friendly with uh, 
a producer who was, who was really good for me, a fellow called Dave Wade, and then a, another fellow called Sean Boyle had come into Sky, and it just kind of went from there. And that typical thing of when you when you talk to footballers, they always relate to their own upbringing in football, don't they? So, I mean, daft things, you turn up on time, you're reliable, you make sure you don't uh, cause too many problems or too much tension and just crack on with what you're told to do, whether it's commentating, answering a question uh, or moving beyond that. And hopefully um, you... you get on side of more people than you don't get on and, and you keep going until they tell you to bugger off, which such was not done so far. And you're absolutely tremendous, mate, I must say. Um, <laughs> just one last question on the happy side of things. <laughs> Go on. Have you still got the ball throw? <laughs> no, I had to move with the time. I, mean, I, I was going to say move with the times about 10 years, 15 years possibly after, um, after that had been the case. Um, I, the, the, speaking of that, that's just job of memory of when I was a, a younger footballer, a, a uh, a trainee at, at Nottingham Forest and remember Pierre Van Hoydonk when he was there I'm sure we're going to come on and to chat about him very obviously confident footballer very, a tremendously talented footballer as, as you well know um, and he being possibly the first of a certain era that bought into the uh, manscaping side of uh, looking after yourself and him being stood there very proud very <laughs> having a discussion across the dressing room and I was there sweeping up as a boot boy just like, trying to shuffle past you know, having a full-blown discussion with a kit man, absolutely starco, and just kind of thinking, oh, right, that's, that's how they do it on the continent then, mate. And then obviously 20 years later, I fell into line with it. Had <laughs> you just shaved? Is that why you were sweeping up? <laughs> <laughs> I was working my way through it like this. Yeah, I was just, you know, as you were as a boot boy, get in, get out before they start battering you. That's exactly what we kind of went to. And, and obviously, this could, de- this could develop into a whole rant now about how they don't have to do that anymore, but I'm sure there's very questionable... Um, safety practices that, that perhaps maybe were acceptable 20 years ago now they'd be saying I'm sorry you categorically cannot go in there and do that type of thing definitely uh, right we'll talk about the career then mate yeah as you say see that time crutch but it's still a massive club obviously Ryan Clifford came before but <clears> there's still that feeling about the club that it was a massive club huge yeah the, the season I joined as, as a wire as it was was it a YTS yeah YTS and I turned pro at 17 which thankfully I signed in the July as a school when I left school at sixteen, and I was seventeen in September. So I had a couple of weeks, a couple of months, sorry, um, on that type of wages, and then your wages move slightly differently, and uh, you crack on attempting to be a professional footballer after that. And um, they just got promoted back to the Premier League under Dave Bassett, done tremendously well indeed. Uh, and having mentioned uh, Pierre van Hoydonk, it was the season of his infamous walkout in pre-season. So got them up, scored X amount of goals. He had the Beckham Predators on, you know, bending free kicks in left, right and centre in the old first division. Got back and promptly said that the team that he was playing with was crap and he <laughs> wanted to move on. Which, um, from, a, from a, what's the word, from a team spirit point of view, I think obviously went down like a fight in the lift. He eventually came back, but we all we, we all had the pleasure of watching this as, as young YTS lads and in the youth team, and it was uh, astonishing really to see how he went about it. But yeah, it was very much that open-eyed daily occurrence of being a professional football and looking at where you wanted to be and where the uh, the pros were at the time. What uh, did Brian Clough ever come about, Prats? He was he was um, the shadow, obviously figuratively looms looms very large over that particular part of the world and quite rightly so because he uh, just a, a hero to many many people around there uh, I did come across him but it was very very late on he, he was he was obviously um, uh, not in the best of health but still had a real kind of um, 
spirit and aura about him. I mean, walking through the car parks to stop people dead in the tracks, wanting to come over and check his hand. But he wasn't a very well man at all by then, which was sad to see on one point. But obviously, how revered he was just showed what, what an absolute icon he was, not just for Forest, but in football. And the statue there is there and should, should stand forever, I believe. So he never called you young man or that now? He never, he never called me young man. I mean, let's be honest. The type of footballers that he managed to play with and work with, if he'd have given me anything like the time of doubt, I'd probably thought less of him, to be honest. <laughs> Blank being walked past. <laughs> right, from one extreme, I know Dave Bassett. Uh, yes. How, yes. How old school are we talking with Dave Bassett? Well, well, Dave, he, he signed me. He, so I was there when you go and do all your schoolboy signing with your parents. You mean your, your ill-fitting suit, barn it all over the place, dodgy skin. Oh, so, so, pretty. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not too far from what I am now, at 38. And um, he was uh, bold as brass and really, and really loud and the kind of caricature that what he was. And um, I never managed. Uh, he was he was sacked halfway or two thirds through that season. Um, but he. Um, just a very kind of proper force of nature. I've worked with him since he, he came to Leeds later on, which was funny. So we had, that's me jumping forward a little bit. I'm sure we'll get on to that. But he was, again, it was the dynamics of having him. And, and he was a, he was a Sheffield, was he, he was at Southampton for a while as well. So he, it was him, Dennis Wise, um, Dave, uh, him and Harry Redknapp and Kevin. But it was just an absolute mismatch of, of personalities. But when I seen him at Forest, he... Um, it, it done really well getting the team promoted. They're not. They started okay. They struggled a lot during the during the season. And then I just remember him calling us into. He, he called the first team in, then he called all the youth team in. It just kind of very very matter of fact because obviously he's been in football for such a long time. He said, "Right lads, I've got the tin tack. Uh, just wish you all the best. You've been great for me. What I've asked you to do, you've done. And, you know what I mean? Look after yourselves. Have a good career. See you later." And that was it. But and you kind of go. He does know he just lost his job, doesn't he? He just come in and said that, and then kind of go. But that was just his way. Like he'd been in football so long that he knew that a few bad results. I was mean, three, four months of the team not playing well, and more often than not, it's the manager that goes more than the players. See, when you say a bit vicious first team players, so mm. any any examples of people being like that to you? Well, I mean, it was it was I um, when getting into the first team and being. Yeah, 18, I think I was at the time. And 18, you're still part of you. You're still kind of growing into yourself and thinking that this hairdo looks decent. Or, you know what I mean? You, you, you're still a little bit um, shy about who... Not shy. You're reticent about who you are, especially in a, in a situation such as that. I mean, you're confident because you're confident coming through the first team. But, I mean, you'd walk in, you'd get battered for everything, from what you were wearing, from what car you were driving, from all that... And the only way that you get on the better side of players like that is to play well and, and prove yourself within the actual game. And um, we, the first year that I was in the first team, and they went on a Christmas deal, which is a fancy dress, basically going around Nottingham getting absolutely steaming. You know, back when Christmas parties could be a certain thing and it wouldn't be all over social media. And I was categorically told I wasn't allowed to go. And I was in town later on shopping like a nerd on my own. And came across, I think it was. Andy Johnson, not the Crystal Palace Andy Johnson, Andy Johnson, the former Welsh international, who by this time was was with another team at, and he was, this was so late afternoon, like leathered, dressed as something like Robin Hood or Maid Marian or something, and kind of walked up to me and I was like, oh, hey John, are you right? And he looked through me because he was that drunk, he, he'd like, who's this? I was like, uh, here's a tenner, get a drink on me. And he went, bosh, whacked me in the stomach, and I went, cheers mate, thanks, bye. And walked off and then I mentioned it to him about three or four days later and he went, what? 
<laughs> just blatantly, no recollection whatsoever. And that was the first. That was the first thing walking through the Market Square in the middle of town, busy shopping time. You know what I mean? Like, stay, oh, oh, oh. just it different times, wasn't it? Jesus Christ! Amazing man. Uh, right, you spoke about Van Hoydonk, mate. Tell us a bit. I'm like, how arrogant could he be? Oh, he, he, oh, he, he was. He was the, the at that time. He was the best player there, and he was, and he knew it, and he wasn't scared about telling. Everyone there that he was the best player. I think that I think it, what it boiled down to was something along the lines of he was there to help Forrest get back into the Premier League. I think there might have been a discussion about getting about a transfer. You know, what I mean, but moving on to somewhere that he thought was bigger and better and uh, worthy of his of his of his presence. And um, that didn't come to fruition. He went on strike, um, and then just and then kind of bowled back in. Not like nothing really happened because I think there was a. I, I'm sure there was, a, there was a general there with a couple of the first team players. Right, you know what I mean? When he comes back, he's getting it. And then he kind of came back and everyone went, well, IPA, you're right, man. <laughs> and he just, he just kind of took it where he, where he kind of, um, where he'd left off. But he, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, that's, it's a stereotype, isn't it? When you say about Dutch players being very confident and believing in themselves. But he very much was that. And he had the, the skill and the ability to, to really back it up, which... He kind of had to begrudgingly uh, respect, I think. Was he one of them parts, like, especially as a young boy? If you weren't up to his standard in training, would he pull you up? He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't, from that point of view, I, I never actually trained with him, but from the point of view of how we treat young players in and around the training ground, because we, at Forest, you got chains at the actual ground, city ground, and then you walked along the river to where the training ground was. He, from what I remember, he was always all right. I don't remember him being... I mean, I don't think he was one of the school of my boots dirty, hiding this boot at his boot boy because we've all seen that. And you kind of go, let's make sure you get you get his boots right next time. I don't think he was that. I think he was. A, I don't remember who did his boots, but he was a good tipper. I think from what I remember. Um, I mean, whether that, I mean, he might have been an absolutely awful teammate. <laughs> but with, with regard to how the young lads were, I think, I was, I think he was all he was always all right with us. Couple of other big ones as well. Richard Goff is there and uh, Carlton Palmer. Alan Palmer's yeah. got a reputation for being a bit big time as well, didn't he? Oh, he was, yeah, he was, because he came in with Big Ron, and he was kind of Big Ron's lieutenant in the dressing room. And, um, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of chats with Carlton were quite obviously him talking about money and what he'd done, you know, his, how it was, if he was having a conversation with someone, it was obviously like that. If you've been to Tenerife, he was, he's obviously been to Elevenary, funny, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, bro, yeah, whoa, whoa, this stuff. And um, he, he was... Um, Phenomenally fit, um, to the. I mean, he was that kind of single-minded. He loved the he loved the beer, as, as he's as he's kind of admitted to over the, over the years. But he, he backed it up by being the fittest lad there. And Richard Goff was he. There's a lad called Chris Doig from. He's he's from up the road where where you lot are. And um, he 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 was a, he was a Scottish centre half who really looked up to Richard Goff. And um, he. Um, he was really good, Goffey. He'd come and have a chat, and because he, he was quite, you know, I mean, the elder statesman, or I mean, the captain, and very looked after himself. This is what we do. This is how you go about being a professional footballer. And fast forward several years, and I was in Las Vegas in a nightclub, and then looked across, and I was with two two of my mates who are very very good friends of mine, not big football fans, and I was like, I think that's Richard Goff, and kind of went. Be back in a sec. <laughs> so, like, March double was like, uh, Goffey, you're right, it, David Prutton. And, uh, and again, that kind of 
what? <laughs> what? And he kind of, I think, unless I've misremembered this, he kind of, oh, yeah, nice to see you. And then kind of went, bye then. <laughs> and, you know, when you walk back thinking, he must have realised how surreal that was to have a longer than a two-minute conversation and say, nice to see you, bye then. And I kind of went back and I scratched my I can't remember who I texted him. I'm sure I've just seen which Either that or some geezers, like, who looks a bit like Richard Goff has gone. Some absolute nutters walked up to me and just gone, are you Richard Goff? And he's gone along with it in a nightclub going, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, nice one, bye. It's, 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 it's always, you know, when you're kind of sat in bed thinking, have I, is that something that's happened? Have I misremembered that? Have I imagined that? But I am, I'm, defi- I, I'm going to say definitively I saw him. He didn't remember me and quite obviously walked off and understandably walked off. Was he well bugged? It was, that's the thing, he was on his own. He was on his own. Which, which maybe probably made, made him think, uh, he might have had that split second decision where he's gone, he's talking to me and I've got no one here that looks like I'm with anybody. Like, not like he's in the corner of a bar like throwing shakes on his own, just kind of walking to, but you know what, you know what Vegas is like, I mean, all kinds of strange people and strange things go on. He might have just been, he might have just been enjoying himself. Amazing. Uh, see you on the van, how you don't walk out. So where were you where are you at this stage? Are you still on the youth team or are you, have you yes. the first team? No, this we I was in the youth team and um because that was the first season that I was full time as a playing football. He came back and I remember him walking down to the training ground, which is we all had to walk down together and he had this huge camera crew following him and he was uh, he, he loved the attention of, of, of bowling of bowling back down the um side of the river with everyone watching him and, and hanging on his every word. And so by that time, so that was the first season that was there, which uh, subsequently ended up and then getting relegated. That's not my fault before I went down that season. I've not been back since because it was uh, that the damage had already been done. But um, so he, uh, and I think by the time that big Ron rocked up, I, I think, I think Pierre had gone by then, I think. Right. And then as you mentioned, big Ron comes in, rocks up, as you said. Mm. Uh, what was I, used, I, used, I, used, I used to clean his boots. I, I, the, the, he had, what looked like the prototype pair of predators. You remember ones with the, the fins on, which like about a half an inch. And you think, for a start, you're thinking, um, what, why, do you, why do you need those? And um, he, there was him and Peter, Peter Shreves that, um, that used, to, used to take training. And, and he was there with all the catchphrases. I mean... What was he stick it on, Well, I mean, he'd be like, stick it on my head like a lollipop. Oh, it's a lollipop up at the back post. And he'd be like, he'd be saying it almost like, you know, his, his commentary obviously pre what actually happened with his commentary. Yeah. But he, he was he was very much there for the soundbite. And he had that, that, the wonderful, well, wonderful with hindsight, looking at it, walking out for his first game. Do you remember that? He walked out yeah, and he yeah, went yeah, and yeah, stood in the wrong dugout like this. And the, I can't remember which team we were playing. And their, their subs are kind of going, why, why is running out? Don't go here. And then he cashed me a cut and he had to climb out because there's a big step getting out of it as well. So he had to climb up and get out of that. But he, um, he, I mean, they give it a go. It, from what the lads were saying, he joined it in training in five sides, which just, I presume he wasn't like overlapping full backs and, and, and getting on the end of stuff. I, I think he just basically stood in the middle of the pitch and, you know, and passing it like, and, and, and Shrews, he just kind of like, oh, well done, Gaffer, great ball. But he, um, <laughs> But there the come times when I'd go and get his, because there was a little coach's room in, in the corridor, sitting around and go and get his boots and have a towel pulled up to like his, above his, you know what I mean? Kind of above your stomach, but below your chest. It was about there. They had, there was a, the hair dry and all that type of stuff. I mean, never looked less than a million dollars coming in and out of training, but it was just a surreal matchup, which 
quite obviously, quite obviously ended in disaster. And I don't know whether it was under him or whether it was under Dave Bassett when, because Man U rocked up and won 8-1. Um, I was a ball boy for that game. And without getting too deep and meaningful, when you sat there watching proper superstar footballers, Beckham, Skulls, of that type of bracket, up close and personal, and just looking around thinking, we have, we've got no chance in... I think Forrest actually took the lead, which was obviously the worst thing they could possibly do. And then uh, Solskjaer came on and scored four as a sub, taking it to 8-1 by the end of it. And you kind of sat there watching going, this, you know I mean, that's what football should look like, and that's probably why Forrest are going to go down. And unfortunately, they did that season. And is that true that the person that used to, the kid that used to clean his boots also had to put fake tan on his back? <laughs> yeah, only the top bit. I, I got I got to do his shoulders. I re, anywhere else I refuse. <laughs> that, and that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you'd, you'd rock up at Not- in Nottingham um, in springtime, which, let's be honest, isn't the warmest. And um, yeah, looked, looked at a healthy glow about him. But it's um, it was it, it's just that, like yeah, that, those little surreal moments when you come across footballers or footballing famous footballing people of a certain generation and I I can't remember when would he have gone anywhere else after that I can't remember but it was um, yeah yeah larger than life and a huge personality and then he goes not in the forest get relegated and Gil Platt's son David gets his job <laughs> he um, he um, and, and that was the, that was a great thing though because obviously the 1990 World Cup that was probably the first World Cup that I can remember very formative and just thinking what an absolute um, legend he was, came in. I think because it had only been 36, 37 at the time, was he? Yeah, it says here 33. He looked about 33, but still 33. Because he was player manager. That's what he did. He came in as player manager. And to be honest, we had a, we had a good group of players, but he still was the best player by a mile. You'd do finishing in training and never miss. Whether it was, it was his knee, shin, foot, backside be flying in left, right and centre. And he um, he was fantastic with me, really, really good. He, he, I, knew, I knew there was a bit of friction between himself and the older players because I think if he, well, if he was 33, there would have been lads there that were older than him that were trying to get into the first team. But he um, he, he was he was great for me. He, he seemed to be a big fan of me for some unknown reason. So I got a chance to play and he was and playing with him was, was fantastic. See, on Pat, when you said he got sent off and you said like the older boys maybe... Because he was younger. Like, see that day he did get sent off. Would anyone ever pull David Platt up for that? I, I don't remember him getting a bollocking off anyone else. I remember him probably taking taking it on the chin and saying, look, um, holding his hands up. But, I mean, there, there was many games that season that, we, that were just bizarre. We, we played Wolves away, and it was the Wolves of Adi Akinbae, uh, probably Paul Butler, Maybe Jolene Lescott might have been there as well, and Matt Murray. So I mean, I mean, we're talking about a team that's a big bunch of lads, real hefty bunch of fellas. And Adi Akinbae had a, a bit of history with a centre half of ours called Tony Vaughan, a Manchester lad. So, I mean, those two are just going at each other. And um, I think Tony or Adi, one of them had thrown the nut on the other one. So they had. So we had. A, we had two. We had a, Tony sent off for us, and Adi got sent off for them after about twenty minutes. I grossly mistimed two tackles and got sent off on 40 minutes, by which time Dave Besson is he's throwing the ball out because the Wolves player's injured. They've thrown it back. Michael Branch has got it and scored. So they're 1-0 up. And they, uh, Dave's going absolutely bonkers. And to the point where he's got the ball and he's kicked the ball out of the stadium. <laughs> I don't know why, 
no, 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 Dave Besson did. Right. By this time, like, David Platt's on the touchline go, what on earth's going on? I don't think, I don't know whether Bez thought, well, if we haven't got a ball, we can't play the game because quite obviously there's about 20 balls on, on site on, on any given football match, isn't there? And I, so after that, and then I got sent off and I'm like hyperventilating. It was the first time I've been sent off. So I'm, I'm in there hyperventilating, like, I've let the lads down. It's horrible. I'm, I'm so sorry, Gaff, for all this type of stuff. And Dennis Booth came in and calmed me down, which was lovely of him. But it was, it, it just seemed parts of that, of that particular season were carnage, to be honest, <laughs> from, from what I remember, the different kind of facets and the different personalities involved. Right, we'll talk about, about teammates, because John Terry spent a brief loan spell at Nottingham Forest. He did. And your he first did. proper season, could you be honest, like, could you tell back then that he was going to be one of the world's best centre-halves? He was, he was, um, he obviously came in with a lot of Chelsea pedigree. He was a big, I mean, if you've come across, he's a, he's a big lad, isn't he? And he, he was a, he was a big lad back then. He didn't need any, didn't need to grow up anymore when he came to us. He was already a man in, in, in effect and, and leading teams such as that. And what I really kind of impressed me from purely from a, a nerdy footballing point of view was my uh, take on centre halves up till then was head it, kick it. You know what I mean? Tackle, tackle players. And when you play two touch or head tennis or. The, I mean, you never gave the ball away. Wonderful first touch, wonderful passer of a ball. And um, when you thought you were perhaps trying to have a career as a cultured midfielder in front of him and realising that the central defender is better than you on the ball, you're kind of going, shit, maybe, maybe he's pulling my finger on it. But he, he was good. He was really, he's really good. It, he took to, the, um, took to the city, took to the club really, really well. And he, what does that mean? He, really, he was doing it all the time. Well, I mean, we, we had a we had a decent group of lads that didn't mind a night out, and he he, he was um, oh yeah, I mean he's and again he's not shy, is he, John Terry? Jesus Christ, he, he was he was uh, as a very integral part of the dressing room very very quickly, even though he was only there for a short space of time. So he was he was good to have around, very confident, and I'm trying to think if I've seen him much. Bumped into him in a hotel. I keep bumping into like people say Former central defenders that I played with hanging around on their own. No, he was uh, he was walking. He was at the Grove, I think, which is near Watford. I think he was playing golf, and it is one of that slightly situation when he's obviously gone like that, and you've kind of went and then plateaued and then gone down, and you're kind of going, "Shall I go and sell out him on the <laughs> on the risk of him going again?" Richard Goff blanking, who are you? But he was no, he was, and he was good as gold. Really, he was good as gold, and then. Well, lastly, this is me jumping forward. Like when we we started doing this football league show on Sky, which I said to the producer at the time, "Oh, you mean we'll get some big names in early doors?" And I think it was just as John had gone to Villa. Oh, he's gone to Villa. I'll give him a ring. Get him on the show. Blank me. It might not have even been his number. I text somebody who might have been John Terry. Might not have been. I just gone. Who's this whopper? And why does he want to get me on this show? And never consequently never heard back from him. So. See, when he was a young kid, Pratt, would he still be, like, is he coming into training against experienced strikers? Would he still be batting into them at that young age? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was hard as fucking nails. He, he, and he was, he was, the, the frame of the fella, I mean, he's in tremendous nick now, but he, he just, a, you know, and I, I know this is me, again, there's, there's varying sides of human beings in the world, isn't there? I mean, you're, you're not diminutive, but you I mean, you're, you're a, a, a nice, lovely, tight little package, are you? And um, you get slightly bigger, slightly bigger, slightly, and, and then. But John Terry is just a big man. He's got he's got what must be big bones because he's very broad and he's very tall. And um, he was like that when he when he what he didn't need to bulk up, he didn't need to trim down. He was just a big dude from the start. And 
yeah, but he, he, you could tell head and shoulders above everyone else and was going to, whether you knew he was going to go on to be England captain, I don't know, but he was, he was very much destined for what he managed to achieve. And see, because he was a loan, loan for Chelsea, he foot the bill on night. So Frank Noble came to Swindon, he was loaded on loan for Chelsea. Every night out, mate, he would pay for everything. He was Terry the same. I, I, I don't think, I, I wasn't quite as, as tight as I was back then, so probably I chipped in. But now, if it was now, I'd be like, there's a fellow from Chelsea who's quite obviously going to pay for everything. That's <laughs> why, why, why am I even bringing the wallet? But you know how tight I am, so it's fine. But he, um, and probably, and lastly, as well, obviously, London prices compared to Nottingham, because I'm, It'd be deemed as going up north to Nottingham. We all know it's not strictly up north when it's the Midlands. I'm sure he, um, he was probably laughing his head off that um, beer cost about 50 beer pint. Uh, Ian Wright was in as well, perhaps. He okay. was. The character in the game, was he Was he yes. He was. Uh, no, he, he was, again, bold in, bold as brass. He, he was not shy in any way, shape or form. Really nice, really good with the younger lads, as, as I was at the time in the team. Uh, and, and just... A real live wire. He, um, he had a real temper on him, which the, I remember there was, we were playing Wolves at home. I think, I'm sure it was Kevin Muscat, who, Ooh, he's, if, if, he's, he's yeah, he's, he's, I think he's calling cards, been left on several uh, professional players over the years. But those two were having a bit at each other. And it was down, if you look at the city ground, you come out the tunnel to the right, there's the A block, which is where all the kind of ultras all hang out. And, these two were having a bit of a running battle, kicking him up the arse and, and, and booting each other left, right and centre because I think he wanted to make his mark on Ian Wright. And at one stage, he tried it again and then like righty. So I think that, yeah, he just looked, he looked at the back of his shirt. Obviously, he's got his name and his number and he like looked at his shirt and he went and then looked at the, to the A-block and he's like, <laughs> like as, as if, and I'm, it was like, I was like a red rag. It was like, <laughs> like a red rag to a ball because it literally just asking them like I mean right who on earth this kicking lumps are they and he um, which I mean you kind of watch it go but then knowing what what I mean what um, as you as you mentioned the reputation that precedes Kevin Muscat yeah. that's a very fine line to play in it because I'm sure the next tackle probably sent him over the horse <laughs> but he was good he was really good and and again uh, latterly having worked with him doing different bits of bobs uh, media wise just a lovely fella instantly how are we doing you know what I mean how's everything catching up very very quickly and what you see with with Ian Wright is what you get I think yeah uh, Janice was another player he played with he got his move to the Premier League before you mm. him getting that sort of move was that when you started to think I want to do similar I want to go play in the Premier League I'm sure again apologies if JJ ever watches this but I'm miss, I was ill one particular weekend and JJ I'm sure he started in place of me in, in midfield. And, and again, by, I mean, he was just some little skinny kid, wasn't he? And he? I mean, wonderful up and down the pitch and very good on the ball as he, as he went on to prove. Um, I'm not saying that I gave him his foothold in the game without me getting ill, like sliding doors. If I'd never got ill, he might have just disappeared in Clifton in Nottingham. We'd never have seen, never seen anything of it. But he left. Um, and so you do start to think a little bit um, about moving on. There would have been a couple of whispers here and there, but nothing too concrete. And then uh, moving on to Southampton in the first Jan- the first January transfer window, I think it was. Um, well, well, that was a bit of sparring backwards and forwards because, because by that time, Paul Hart was now the manager. So this, there's a recurring theme. He just keeps popping up and, and dragging it to certain places. And 
he, I got offered a contract, uh, a wonderful contract, and, and said to his number two at the time, um, Ian Bowyer, uh, about not signing it because I didn't think it was the right time. Because my agent at the time said you should, you should, um, you should say this. Um, so I said it, and Paul wasn't in that day, and and. So then the next day when Paul was in, so Bomber took it. Yep, no worries, Prutz. It's your prerogative, so you can do what you want. And then, so the next day, he was like, shout down the corridor. You, you already come in and, Prutz, get your fucking ass down here. And then when you sat with everyone else, everyone goes, what have you done? What have you done? And it's like being at school. You know what I mean? You've been summoned by the headmaster. You're in massive. So what? And he went, uh, I believe you told Bomber yesterday that you're not going to sign your contracts. And I went, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the right time. Yeah, good one. Just sign your name and get out. I was like, no, not necessarily. I don't think it's it's the right. It's just, look, it's not, is it not enough money? You greedy. So I'm thinking, well, it's it's a, it's a substantial amount of money over a long period of time. And but my agent at the time said, nope, stick to your guns. This is what you're doing. And obviously, legs like jelly walking out and stuck to my guns with it. Which, um, with hindsight, I'm surprised I didn't absolutely crumble when I was getting, when I was getting, getting wrung out by Paul. But I mean, the thing is as well, he. He'd seen us, so I'd known him since I was 13 or 14. He'd seen us all come through. And that bunch of players, so JJ was part of it, Andy Reid was part of it, Michael Dawson was part of it. I'm not saying for one second I was in that bracket, but there was a group of young lads coming through. Gareth Williams was another young Scottish lad who was very tidy on the ball. We had David Johnson up front, Marlon Herwood up front. And we had a really good bunch of players. And they were looking that season to get promoted to the Premier League, which with that group of players would have been a phenomenal achievement. But got to the January, very end of the January transfer window and Forrester said, no, you're not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere and then eventually agreed on a fee but about, <clears throat> it was the very last day, just after lunchtime so I had to hightail it down south to try and get something sorted. And uh, was the deal much better than what the Nottingham Forest deal was? What, do you mean wages wise? Yeah. But I didn't, at that time, I didn't know I had a, a vague idea, possibly what it was, uh, when uh, Southampton, because my agent at the time had a couple. Uh, he had a couple of players down there, maybe one or two. Um, and it, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't three, four, five times more. It was. It was more to do with the fact that you had a Premier League team saying we want you to go pre- to come and play Premier League football. But the um, um, with hindsight. Yes, that Forest team might got promoted. Yes, your career might have gone in a different direction. But that decision that I made was the correct one. No, just a Premier League team. They were in the top eight at the time. Also, Gordon Strachan was there. Uh, can you remember the first time you spoke to him? I, I remember shaking his hand. He was stood next to uh, Gary Pendry and get a oh. Pendo. You know, Pendo was like he, he was. He was always kind of bouncy. Whereas, you, as you know, Gordon can either rip you to shreds or he can be the nicest man on the planet. Which I, 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 the good thing with Gordon is you always knew where you stood. Whether he was, I mean, pissed off with you, or whether he was happy with you, he would tell you more often than not you'd know. So he, uh, I remember him being very kind of serious. Nice to meet you, David. And I mean, I hope you get everything sorted today. This was on the day that I was signing. Hope the medical goes well and we get you up and running. And a pender said something like, oh, well, welcome to God's country, or something like that. Or, well, welcome, something about being down south and how lovely it was. I didn't want to pull him up on the fact that. Technically, Yorkshire is known as God's country, but we—that's semantics. We won't get into I, that. And um, from Coventry, he's leaving from in there, so exactly. And again, I mean, with the greatest respect to Coventry, no one would anyone say it about that. No, probably not. <laughs> but um, he, um, but but I just I liked him, and was 
absolutely terrified of, of him in the same regard from exactly the moment that I met him, which which I thought was a good way to be. Because at that age, you're still impressionable enough to be able to take uh, orders and discipline without, you know, when you get older and you get a bit gobby, and mm. you, like you said earlier on, having posh rants and saying, uh, Gaffer, I don't quite agree with what you're saying there. At 21, you still kind of go, yep, sorry, I'm an idiot. I'll stop doing that. And um, and um, that just jogged my memory about what it's about one training session we'd done and we'd done a like a running into the box type third man running thing mm. and I'd made a certain run at a certain time and he, he, he brought, no stop 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 and you know you instantly think when you've done so many stops you think oh shit what have I done mm-hmm. I went Pros, why did you do that and I went um, you told me to and he went best answer I've ever heard well done carry on because <laughs> you just know because you, you'll know it's like that, that element of when he could because he was he was very quick witted he, he had a ferocious tongue as and when he when he needed to have one and he wasn't scared of using it which I think you kept you on your toes there was uh, there was we'd been we were training at St Mary's once and we'd all jogged out to go and do set because he loved the set piece didn't he yeah. which meant you did full training you went back inside got more kit on Got your dry stuff on, two, three layers, because you thought, right, we've got about 45 minutes at least of, of crossing and, and, and free kicks and corners. And we'd run out and there was what I thought was a masseur bending over to, to tie his laces up his boots. I've walked past and gone, bang, like, right across his backside. And go, yeah. At which point, Strax has gone, <laughs> what are you doing? And I went, the thing is, I said, I'm sorry, I thought you were the masseur, who's quite a bigger chap. <laughs> so I've, I've got, oh, Gaffer, I'm so, I'm so sorry, and then ran out. And he's gone out and he's called everyone in, and I think, you think it's coming now, it's coming, isn't it? And he goes, he goes, right, everyone, I just want to draw your attention to the fact that this idiot has <laughs> just slapped my ass, thinking it's that idiot over there. <laughs> He diffused it so well, but when it when I done it, I thought, "Oh my god, I'm going to get you! He's going to sell me! He's going to sell me for spanking him on the way out." <laughs> but it took it really well and then shared it with everyone else. And subsequently, Sky Sports on a exactly. sacks for spanking. I mean, I mean, you never know what could happen nowadays. It, it might happen somewhere, but it would. It it it, it took it well. Well, it took both the spanking and the uh, and the fact that I thought it was a, a slightly tubby version of himself very well. Because see that time at Southampton, that was like the height of his sarcasm, wasn't it? Remember he's in oh. the game? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A, a quick word after the game. Yeah, velocity. There you go. Stuff like that. <laughs> he, was, he, he was, which I... You could, I've spoken, about, spoken and heard him speak about it since. And, and he, he could... Because you, you know how emotionally he was, whether things were good, bad. Um, there was one time we had, used to have a TV in the corner of the dressing room for some reason. Coming after a defeat and the TV's off, like, and you're thinking, who the fuck's put the television? Like, it's like final score coming through or soccer Saturday, and it's coming right, and it's gone from not why it's gone from an abysmal performance and a result to an interrogation about who's put the TV on, and I'm and I'm sure there was a I can't remember where this where this player was from, but there were a lot of players at that level when I when I when I went into the Southampton side that. Um, were quite well established that you'd heard of. There were other lads that weren't quite as well known, but I mean established Premier League players. And then you'd get like the, the odd random signing who 
a, a scout's gone, yeah, he's, he'll fit right into English football. Where, where's he from? Venezuela. He'll love the weather. It'll be, I mean, he'll be, he'll be digging in in winter and he's like this poor sod in the corner shivering in like July going, what? This is, this is not what anyone sold me at all. So I've got a vague recollection of Straxton going apeshit about why the TV's on. And the, uh, one of these signings that had never got anyone near the first team in his suit kind of sat underneath like the on and off button, kind of going, it's obviously zeroed in and it's, it's gone from like, and I, I, I probably play crap at the time, so buzzing that it's gone from like an interrogation about, I can't believe someone's put the TV on gaffer, that's something so unprofessional. We've got, and, it, and we must have been there half an hour, right, we're not going until, until someone admits who's put the TV on. That's brilliant, man. And I, and I still don't think we got, I think by the end of it, I think Strax was like, you bunch of useless bastards, I'm off. <laughs> I'll see you Monday. And what was Monday? Good, bad or indifferent? He ran the balls off you, didn't he? Every single Monday morning, whether they'd been out, whether the team had won, whether the team had lost, which um, which probably made, showed just why we were fit. And I've got horrendous memories of St Andrews, because everyone goes to St Andrews and plays golf and it's gorgeous and the scenery is nice. We just got run up and down the sand dunes there, which was absolutely astonishing with regard to how hard a pre-season was oh, and again it's a worse than it but you, and I tell you what the thing that always threw me side was you had you had coaches that said right if you had five sets of doing something do the fourth in this time or we'll forget the fifth yeah it go right got three right lads do the next one in this, in this time it was like belting round yeah well done still want to go like what the fuck am I but it was just his way of, he did it and he was an incredibly fit player up till he was about 42 or 43, I think. So he was never going to take anything less, was he? See, it's like he used to join in the runs. Did he do that at Southampton? He, he might have done the odd, I think, I'm trying to think, I'm sh- he might have done the odd one, but he, he, had a, he had a mutual friend of ours, didn't he? The dog that he could let, let off the leash to set the times and show exactly, exactly how they're running. Yeah, so, so if Telf did it in this time, everyone must be able to do it in this time. Like, and then I, I I got very badly burned by itself the first pre-season we did in, in St. And, at St Andrews because there were he was obviously he's like he's like the most mentally strong person athlete man it's like who you want to be when you grow up whenever yeah. we grow up. I don't know when that's going to be well, but he's every sport didn't he he's amazing at golf as well isn't he amazing at golf uh, extremely fit from what I remember wasn't a stranger to kind of very under the radar enjoying St Andrews whilst we were up there doing pre-season but getting up in the morning like ready to go go and absolutely ruin everyone and I remember kind of on a cross-country run thinking I've got this old soddy I mean like I'm saddling up behind him and him just pulling away and then me ending up like fifth from bottom and all the lads coming past going can't believe you fell, you fell for the old Paul Telford trick let's try and catch the fellow that's, that's got a bit of grey hair thinking he's dead old and him just him just pulling away. Robert Snodgrass, um, when it, so when Telf came to Leeds and Snods was there, uh, and the Snods that I met in League One, if you'd have said he'd gone on to be an international footballer that played in the Premier League, I'd have laughed you out of the, I'd laughed you out of the Zoom call that we're on. But he, um, he, he came. We had a night out in Harrogate because Telf didn't live too far from me. He, he, they'd gone to bed at some, some ridiculous time in the morning, maybe even via a casino, and then in the morning he just he just wakes up to see Telf. Stood over him, slice of toast, a couple of paracetamol and a cup of tea, like tell, looking like he's had 12 hours sleep. And that's exactly what he's like. He'd, he'd go to bed, like, by the time you, you finish talking and no one could make a sentence, he'd start off to bed and then he'd, like, just, 
bounce up in the morning like that. Morning, ready to go again. And there's been many a lad that I know, footballer that's tried to keep up with him, that he's just absolutely <laughs> taken to pieces. Even at Sale, like, he was like 35, eh? and he was miles ahead of everyone. But he didn't, he, he's breaking a sweat. No, and I mean, seeing him in the gym, I've never seen a man do more a more perfect set of pull-ups. I mean, there was there was no no wiggling around, was it? It was all put chin up and all that type of stuff. And he um because he he what the career that he had. I mean, obviously, people look at who he played for with Strax going to different different uh, teams and taking him around. But I I always just thought he, he was Strax's marker in the in the um, dressing room. One, he could rely on him to play yeah. full back, centre mid, centre midfield. Right midfield is a of a certain era. I don't think you'd get with the great players like Telf playing out wide right nowadays, would you? But he, um, but he, and he, and, and the good thing was, the really good thing was, players like that, which we may have come across that may have been a certain way, he wasn't like that, wasn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't, and he, he could tell him anything, he was your confidant, and he was very much part of the squad, but he knew exactly what Strax thought of him, which I mean. From a career point, what, what position to be in? I'd have killed for a manager <laughs> like me that much to say. I always managed to wear managers out that they either got sacked or I just got biffed off. No, you were poor hats boy, mate. Uh, just <laughs> to on Strachan. See, on Strachan, yes. obviously yes. you spoke about the funny times, but did, were you ever on the receiver end of that, that Tom? Um, I, mine, would, mine was more of a collective, thankfully. The, the 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 thing that I don't have any regrets from playing because I, I I'm glad that I managed to ring out and pull the wool over people's eyes for as long as I possibly did from a footballing point of view. But he left because I think he made some promise to his wife about spending more time together. I think there'd been um, maybe health issues within the family, and he'd kind of taken the time to time to take time out and go and recharge his batteries. Absolutely the right thing. And you know what it's like as a fella. I mean, it, it, from a moral standpoint point of view he's, he's stronger than, a, than an oak isn't he he's, he's very much that's right that's wrong no grey area you're an idiot if you're doing that and it's wrong I like you a lot if you're doing the right things more often than not um, so he he left and I was and I was gutted because I thought I'm signing for this man and manager who's very very good um, but he'd, he'd never on a one to one arse ripping point of view I, I don't remember being laid away I remember I just remember whenever he wanted you you always wanted to please him, and, and which is, I think, is good as a manager when you're a yeah. player. He called me into his office once. And there's a friend of mine that is a musician, and he, I think he got me one of the very, very early iPods, which was about that thick and held about 200 songs. And I was like, "Fuck, was it? It's like it's fucking your bit of uh, technology." And Strax loved his music, didn't he? And he he called me in, and I'm thinking, oh, this must be tactics, or like, well, I want you to do this on Saturday, and uh, you know I mean, or I think you're doing well, or I think you can improve on this. And he went, perhaps someone, yeah, yeah, Gaffey, yeah. he went, well, these iPod things, and I went, like, what? And he went, can you get me one? <laughs> Filled with music, it's, yeah. Right, cheers, gone, piss off, but ran out, and like, what, what did he want? And then basically, I'm, I'm his iPod dealer, he wants me to get him an iPod, for Christ's sake. Well, it's a going, nothing about you first. You, I got him one, yeah, I did get him one. Because I thought he'd get me a place in the team. But no, apparently I have to play well consistently to get in his team. <laughs> See, it's certainly thought you always had that one player that you would always kind of single out that would get it, probably. It, it was it was, it was it up there. So Sam and I said, Celtic used to get it quite a bit, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you have one at Southampton? He wasn't the biggest fan of... I don't know, he, he, was, he was both... 
exasperated and highly entertained by uh, Fabrice Fernandez. Is that the so Fabri- Yeah, the French yeah. French lad who was yeah. who was. Um, and again, I, I think the general consensus was when he really wanted to try. I mean, you couldn't get the ball off him in a phone box, which is a very old school way of trying to describe it. But he, he drops him for the cup final. So the year that I joined, I joined in the January, played one game for Forest in the Cup. So subsequently cup tied when I joined Southampton. And obviously they got to the final, didn't they? Like round by round, I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. They've got to lose at some point. But maybe they got to the final because I was I had nothing to do with these with these specific games. Um, and Fab got dropped for that cup final. And I'm sure Arsenal, it was they lost one nil, we lost one nil to Arsenal. It, it, it's probably not as close as one nil suggests, but you still got half a chance, especially when you can chuck someone like Fabrice on with ten or fifteen minutes to go. Sent Fab to go and get warmed up. My God, I mean, it took him. So it was at the Millennium Stadium, so you had to go and warm up behind the goal. It must have taken him forty seconds to walk from the bench to behind the like, just sauntered off, looking back there, sauntered off, and I, I mean, at best, a groin stretch. Like a quick thought, it went and then meandered back. <laughs> By this time, absolutely like, is he fucking what the was he like? The game's going on. It's like, why is he doing <laughs> going bonkers? I'm fab, I'm fab being fab, just not remotely bothered at all, at all. And um, I, I, I know he could he could wind Gordon up a, a tree. Anyone that didn't look to be working hard, anyone that didn't look to be. Um, he, he, had, he had a great he understood how a generation of football or younger players could be I remember Danny Hickenbottom he was for some reason on the floor of the shower covered in soap doing like the breaststroke and turning over and doing like backstroke and the gaffers walked in and threw his shower and just kind of went fuck's sake <laughs> Quick show and walked off. And, you know, part of him was just utterly exasperated. He's surrounded by morons, basically, that weren't as good or as. But I think I think he I think he loved us in a way. We probably saw him off. That's probably why I thought I need to go and rest before I go and do a proper job somewhere else. Amazing. Uh, some big names as well on that team: James B. Wayne Bridge, Brett Ormerod, Anthony Emmy. How big was the queue to get next to Brett Ormerod in the team photo? The <laughs> great. I mentioned Porsches earlier on. Brett had come terrorising up to train him. It is this beautiful, again, not a Porsche, a Porsche, got out and um, it was, um, he, I mean, you get out, Reebok Classics, tracky bottoms, and even Chris Marsden, who was a mate of his, was like, you look like you've nicked that, you scruffy sod. And I was like, oh God, I said that. And uh, he, he, um, he, again, a great lad, but very much, I think, born and bred in, Acc- in, in Accrington, so... Still had that thick your uh, Lancashire accent. I mean, I mean, thick in the nicest possible sense. And I remember it, the the one. It was it was either after the semi final FA Cup or it might have been it was before the cup final. And he, when you talk about Strax being a certain way, he'd done this wonderful speech going around a lot of the play. Obviously not to me because I had nothing. Not I was stood there in my suit, completely. Thanks to my podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Great music, pros. Anyway, moving on. And then he, met, he, he said he'd seen, you remember, see, he remember seeing Brett playing a game. I think it was for, for Accrington. Or, or some other team that he'd come in front of a handful of people on a, some 
night when it's pissing it down and admired the way that he's, he approached football, tenacity, his work right, all that type of stuff. And that's why Bromwood, you stood out. That's why you're here today playing in the cup final. Like any given Sunday, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's beautiful. And Brett's like, cheers, gaffer. Like that. But, um, but no, Brett was a good lad. Beats, beats another lad that was lies in life. It was, right, let, let's go for a night out. And it wasn't a night out in Southampton. It was a limo down to Bournemouth with, like, with illuminous like knobheads on the side that shows like is a group of footballers coming. If you don't hate us already, can we get a, a limo and a VIP area, please? Like straight in, you're thinking and champagne. Yeah, can you get like a fucking rocket on the top as well and send it over everyone as you go past? And and so early kind of notice, you you'd be suddenly going, Jesus Christ, look at these whoppers coming. But no, and again, they're all they're all good lads from what I remember. I'm, you know when William Put would beat your brilliant player. Really good, really good. Uh, very fit. He he, he, tend to, he was quite streaky when it came to scoring. He'd score seven or eight worldies and then maybe have three or four games, five games where he's a bit quiet. But no, he was really good. I think he went to Everton after that, didn't he? He got a pretty decent big move there. But I think he played better. I think he played best when he was in the two. So between him and Brett Omerod together or when he was playing with Marion Pahars. Well, again, phenom- phenomenal player, very good player, very very quiet, very unassuming. Um, he was he was hated the war in St Andrews. Didn't want to come in, but didn't want to come in above knee height because he was too cool. <laughs> right, we're not going to level gets in. If Marion doesn't get in, we mean, stay in here forever. Uh, Jesus Christ, get the water. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, some very 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 good players, and they anti. I remember. Um, the, the goalie coach used to call him, you know what goalie coaches and, and goalies are like, Christ, like their own secret bloody club and it's pathetic. Weird those, aren't they? Weird those. And he, um, well, I mean, but, and Scandinavian lads, I always thought that they were as close to British lads. As, I mean, I mean, you didn't have to coerce them into it. Right, are we out? Come on, Matt, what? It's, it's Monday night. Can we have a night in? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, and they would be straight, I mean, big, big load of snoops ready to go. High as kites as you kind of go from place to place. But there was a game at Villa, and I've got a picture of it somewhere. Because um, for some I went through a period of shaving my head for some reason, probably because I thought I was out as nails. And um, there's been a cross or a corner that's come in, and I've taken umbrage with Anthony for not coming out and claiming the cross. <laughs> but, and, and as you ask a goalkeeper, Anthony, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you are. Straight up to me, like, and the picture that I've got is him having pushed my neck and back. Almost like, you know, in, in Snatch where um, Brad Pitt gets punched and ends up in the pool like that, but you see him slow motion. There's me like slow motion going, like that, and like thinking I've got whiplash here. And subsequently, again, the last time I ever told uh, a goalie what he should and shouldn't be doing with regard to coming and claiming the ball, it was it was comical, really. It was good. But again, another good lad, another very, very good player. But Strachan was the big on night suit, so would you sneak it or would, would he allow it more back in? It was, that's a very good question because he was, he was adamant, wasn't he, that he was, because I think there's that story that it says about being at Man U where, if, I mean, if you turned left out of the training ground on a certain day, everyone's off to the booze. I mean, he was always turning around going home and preparing and, and looking. And he never was, he never has been a big drinker, has he, from what yeah. I and I suppose, you, I mean, you don't play till 42 if, you, if you're if you on the last couple of nights a week. But, I mean, I mean Telford was used to say there was, a, there was a healthy group of lads at Coventry that used to have a couple of nights out a week. Um, 
then in Southampton it is a city, but it's 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 small enough that people know each other, and the the, the amount of clubs that are there, as in going out clubs, not football clubs, the amount of clubs to go out and get boozy in. There's only a certain few that you would that you would kind of go to. We surprised when he left, finished twelfth in the league. It was that year. Strachan goes. Did you say it was because of family? I mean, I remember him saying. Or he'd made a promise to his wife, or it, some, something had got to a certain stage where it was it was time for him to take a bit of a break. And with any manager that comes and goes, if you're not playing and he doesn't like you, you're like, see ya, bye, don't call us, sod off. If you like, if he likes you and you're doing okay, you kind of think, oh shit, I've got to start again now and impress someone else. And um, he, yeah, he moved on, and I. Yeah, it was the only time you would marginally think "what if" from from my totally selfish perspective was if it had stuck around and where Salampton might have stayed. See, um, have you seen Strachan since? What yeah, I've, I've done a, yeah, done, a, done a couple of bits with him. Done a couple of bits with him. He, he was, um, I'm, I'm, and again, again, this, this I file this under my. Have I misremembered this along with my Richard Goff story of? <laughs> Pendo and, and Gordon leave me a voicemail when I was up at Leeds and they were driving up to somewhere to, to watch something or scout something. And I'm sure there was a conversation that they had on my voicemail talking about or laughing about the fact that they'd been conned into paying two and a half million quid for me <laughs> several years previously. And like, and then just kind of knitting it together going, well, we just thought we'd ring and see how you are. Oh, things are all right. See you later. <laughs> and we just like laughing my head off. And every time I've come across him, it, it, the bits that we've done working together, and I know there was there was a bit of consternation a few months back because he'd, he'd done a bit on Sky where he'd managed to talk himself into a cul-de-sac uh, on a certain topic, which... Um, having read an interview with him only in recent weeks within lockdown, it still very much uh, hurts him now, which again shows the type of fellow that we know him to be. Absolutely hard as nails when it comes to certain things, soft, sympathetic, kind, caring, empathetic in a lot of other ways that to do with the proper things in life, family, friends, yeah. relationships, etc. Um, and and the bit, I always enjoyed being sat with him because he always had that uh, very honest opinion and, and that wicked sense of humour, which you'd, you'd hope, going into what he's done with and working, and another on hiatus, but working with younger players of certain age and certain backgrounds, I think it, it, they would really benefit from listening to him. Yeah. Uh, he said that he'd done his iPad. Uh, <laughs> iPod, iPads, iPads were, like, they were, that was like flying cars back then. I was like, never going to happen, rubbish. iPod, but to impress an ex-manager, Paul Sturrock, is it true that you sat in his hot tub where Cowboy happened? <laughs> Is is that the general rule of thumb to get on his good side? He, he, I I got on really well with Paul, really well with Paul. And again, the selfish thing of he played me, so he's now my new favourite manager. Boom, straight in the team. That'll do. He said he was going to buy. He was buying a house near me, and he, something on the lines of, "Oh, you, you'll have to come around for dinner." I'm like, "Don't. Why are you saying that from the lads? That looks no around. way. He said that in front of the boys. <laughs> so, yeah, like almost kind of half shouting. It's obviously you jog off, and everyone goes. Did I hear that right? And like, ah, I think he's obviously joking, taking the piss, isn't he? A bit of banter on him, him in the gaffer. But he, um, and he, uh, and the, I always felt he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing there. I, I don't think Rupert Lowe at the time, not, it didn't not back him, but 
there was there was something along the lines of how he looked on the touchline. I mean, because you look at Paul as a player, you look at Paul as an ex-player, there, there is a certain difference, isn't there? Yeah. If you're not running around six times a week, then that tends to be the case. But, but there was there was a game that we'd done earlier on in the season. He was wearing a suit, and by the end of it, I mean suits and sunshine. When I'm when I'm working now, and you're kind of looking at if you if you're going to be pitch side or in the studio certain colours I mean I wear black most of the time certain colours you can't go I can't go anywhere near anything light grey light blue because the minute I start talking to someone it's like I can't stand like this because it looks mental but if I start moving my arms are going oh my god why is he sweating so much that's disgusting but that's you just that's just the way I think I'm, and I'm sure Paul was still on such time August time down on the south coast absolutely I mean and then Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There's stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Like piss wet through from, from sweating so much. And I think the, the chairman had alluded to the fact of, of sorting his gear out. And you think, like, that's not what the manager's there for, to look a million. That's something Mourinho does, Pep does, all that type of stuff. Is the manager's there just to manage the manager wanted him to wear a vest on the side. <laughs> a string vest and a little hat <laughs> and get him a date. That position, when that's part of what they're talking about, you think, that's not really what it was about. But 2004, controversially brought in Harry Redknapp for your rival sportsman. What was the police reaction to Harry coming? Because see, see until you're down there, Prutz, I was at Portsmouth. Yeah. The rivalry is heated, isn't it? Horrible, horrible. And again, I was, I was like you, probably paid lip service to it. Then the first time we, we had it and there were, um, it was that, t- I mean, you, you were literally watching people kick the shit out of each other in the streets. You, you saw, I mean, it was absolutely vicious. And then it's obviously steeped in a lot of kind of social history down there. And, yeah. Um, it, it's, um, I just remember the, I remember the way in being uncovered for a very, very long period of time, several times at my, I think my parents came down to the first one and were like, well, no, we're not going there again, especially when it's so out to Portsmouth because it was, and vice versa, it was, I mean, that's not saying it was, uh, it was all nasty Pompey fans because it was, I mean, Saints fans gave as good as they got when it came to giving it out to each other. Um, and then it was surreal because you kind of read it in the newspapers and you thought, he's, he, he's, he can't, can he? Because he fell out with Milan Mandaric, didn't he? And mm. came out of Pompey. 
And um, I think he actually lived where he lived at the time was possibly closer. <laughs> I think Salanton might have been possibly closer. I'm not saying he like, stuck his finger in the map and went, that's closer, that'll do as my next job. But yeah, he, he rocked up with, with Kevin Bond. And it, it was just bizarre. You knew who he was. You knew the kind of character, the caricature of him. And he didn't take too much training. He, he, he kind of left that to Kevin Bond. Jim Smith came with him, bless him. Again, another manager of a certain era who played Man U. I wouldn't swap any of these lot for you. Jim, you'd swap probably their under nines for the way we're playing right now. And you, th- and you think, fair, fair play if you're erring on the side of positivity, but that's just why did, why you Yeah, you, you know, you jog out and you go. Because you know what footballers like? We, we all, I've already mentioned it, but we all, we all want that every, any given Sunday moment where it's like, come on, this is going to be our day. We're going to, we're going to be immortal for 90 minutes. More often than not, footballers are going, did he, he didn't just say that, did he? he, he have you seen their team? Their team is ridiculous. <laughs> and we, we were making a very good effort of, of looking like a very poor Premier League Premier League team. And I think Harry had said something which wound Neil McCann up. I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to Neil McCann over the years. And he's like a red rag to a bull, isn't he, when, when you get on the wrong side of him. He said, we played somebody in the cup, uh, not the cup, in the league in a, in a midweek. And in the paper, I think he'd subsequently said that I'd do well to get this team out of the championship, never mind keeping them in the Premier League. <laughs> which, I mean... It, could you call that reverse psychology or just nah. utter rubbish? <laughs> Cheers, Gaffer. Yeah, I think. What did Neil McCann think, What did Neil McCann do? He pulled it up after a game. He pulled it up, and, and the thing with Macca was, it was good because regardless of who he had the beef with, whether there's a manager, or whoever, he would he'd go toe to toe and eye to not toe to he'd go eye to eye with them saying, "This is what you've said, and I don't agree with it," and said it in a very eloquent, slightly raggy, aggressive way, but. Um, I think, but I mean, they, they kind of begrudgingly made up by then of it by everyone kind of getting Macca to shut up so we could go home after the game and Harry kind of looking at his watch thinking, I've got traffic to miss here, Macca. Can we leave, leave this leave this beef for now? But he yeah, was... There's a race on. There's a race on. I want to probably. Think. But he's, he, did, he did spend a bit of time on his phone, Harry. He, um, and he, um, the, 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 the great dichotomy of, from the uh, coach's point of view was when, he, when Clive Woodward came in, which... They shared an office. Had the rugby England? Wow. They shared an office. I think Rupert Lowe brought him in. Um, and so obviously he's won the, the World Cup in 2003. World Cup winning rugby coach was sat in there almost, not not in an apprentice type way, but like learning the football in ropes because he wanted to see how it would work in football. It was quite obviously just utterly... Bizarre, like Harry. I mean, in, not before marginal gains was man, marginal gains one percent here, one percent there, and just uh, Harry's take on some of it of what he was saying being fucking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> like what a lot of rubbish. <laughs> like, so you had one, you had somebody doing a meeting in one regard, and someone coming in and just going, forget all that. That's also that's I, basically. I'm only, I'm, he's only in here because I've been told he's got to come and do something, and it just just us. But and then I, having watched that that rugby team and read all of his, but it's like it's like fucking you know, Clive Woodward who's yeah. climbed the mountain of, of the, the the very pinnacle of world rugby, uh, and so but just it, I mean it was just 
the organic rhythm of it was just totally, totally off. Um, but he, um, but he brought his son in. Jamie came in for the running. Nigel Quasi came in. Jamie was. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he, I'm sure he finished at the end of that season. Graham Lasseau came in. That again, I worked with Graham in the last six months, and we we backtracked and worked out that his final season was Southampton's relegation season. You're thinking, shit, we've I've ended so many people's careers here in one fell swoop. <laughs> you poor sons. And um, he, he, but yeah, again, love, lovely, love again. What you see is what you get. His knees were, I mean, by that time, he obviously struggled with his knees throughout his career, but he was training once, a, uh, probably once or twice a week and we're trying to get games out of him on a Saturday. It was, it was funny because, and then Crouchy joined as well and it was suddenly, uh, my friends, my very close pals at the time, they're all up north, so miles away from Southampton, who kind of had lost a bit of interest because we were, weren't doing so well. Suddenly, Crouchy joins and um, and Jamie joins and, and I get a slight trickle increase in requests for tickets because not because of the football yeah. because who are they bringing along to watch the football as in the wags so they're like suddenly they're like oh, no, come up this week are you playing is, is Jamie playing is, is Crouchy Crouch definitely playing he's definitely playing is he starting because if not I'm not coming like, oh cheers lads he's something like a, a whopper just trying to make, uh, like trading water in this Premier League team but they yeah the trickle and they were like even, even Jamie's a good looking lad isn't he it's just <laughs> utterly ridiculous See, Harry, could he, could he be funny when he was caring, boys, Chris? Um, it was... The, the sense that I got from Harry being there was an exasperation that he managed to end up at the club, realising once he got inside the club that we weren't up to staying in the Premier League and that possibly he was going to preside over us getting relegated, which ended up being the case. And... Um, when I look at him now, it's slightly different what he's gone on to achieve, but his post-Saints career, I think, has managed to salvage that reputation. I don't think he's remembered as the fellow that was manager of Southampton when they got relegated. I don't think that... I remember, I mean, as a, as a Pompey, he's an absolute legend, isn't he? And obviously, going on to, to be at um, Spurs, he's, he's, done, he's done tremendously well. He, um, it, it's, it's something that we're going to come on and talk about, but when I, when I got banned, he, he was my, I went to um, speak to the FA in Soho square to go and you, you, you went and you, you had to go forth and put your case forward. Like it was like a little, like a court. Yeah. So you're up against a member of the, a current member of the FA, two members of the, one of these like regional FAs. I mean, I'm talking average age of about 85. And you walk in and they're looking at you like, as if you've killed someone. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. And then my, the fellow who represented me was a fellow called Mick Maguire, former footballer, worked at the PFA, has since moved on to work in uh, representation in, for want of a better word, show business. Um, and he, um, he's, he's trying to mitigate, and I'm jumping the gun slightly on the uh, the chronological element of the story, but he's listed how I've perceived to be getting better over the seasons with regard to yellow and red cards. He's got his first season, 99, 2000, he's, he's got 14 yellow cards and two red cards. Second season, he's got 12 yellow cards and he's got one red card. Season after that, he's got 10 yellow cards and two. I'm like, this is the fellow representing me. I'm thinking, 
you're making me sound more psychotic than what I have previously shown myself to be. And then so it said this, and, and um, the, the, the little three-man panel's gone out to deliberate, and Harry's like, fucking hell, bros. You've got more previous than Magic Gray. <laughs> it's like, so you think that. He's told them that. They've obviously gone out just to go, we've got to, we've got to throw the book at this nutter, because he's not getting any better at all. And um, so that's me, that's me jumping, because in that season, the season that we went down, 11 games before the end of it, we played uh, Arsenal. It was live on Sky. Um, pumped up, trying to get the points. I think I'd scored the week before. We'd got, and then we'd come up against Arsenal. Um, absolutely wired, ready to go, ready to go and save the day. Uh, two tackles. I think the first one was on, I want to say, Flamini or... Possibly, which in itself, in isolation, borderline a red card. Yeah. Which, it was an awful, awful challenge, which I'd say, I saw a picture in the mirror on, on the Monday morning. I was like, oh my God. Like his foot was, his ankle was like that. My foot was there. But I mean, the face was like, crime stop was like, Ready to and then it was I went full home rod on him and he um, he um, he was rolling around and I've gone to remonstrate with the with the linesman thinking there's a gross injustice that had just happened on against me and Alan Wilder the referee gets in front of us and Alan's probably about to hear on me so there's me basically moving around this smaller chap like I'm trying to ragdoll him. So to, to, to have a go at the linesman, and I've gone full kind of gangster lingo on him, like I've mofoed and all this stuff. And he's, the linesman's probably going, what? Like, I probably wasn't making any sense whatsoever. So Harry's come over to drag me off. And then, and then he went absolutely bonkers at our time, which was only about five minutes later. Why are you props? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, it, it, it was like if you've done... You've done, lads, you've done wonders. You've done great. You've got yourselves back into the game. But it's one fucking idiot. And in the corner, like, bang. And I was, what, you, you couldn't go, me? <laughs> what about it? But uh, it, it was, it was, it was absolutely raging. And then, it, I mean, but then afterwards, after the game, you saw how um, upset, for want of a better word, I was. Because then it sinks in. You go, oh, Christ, that looks horrendous. It's, it's been on TV looking horrendous. And Wait, you know, sorry, Kurt, seen the second half when the boys are out playing. Are you in the dressing room and you've seen the incident on TV? Set, set in the dre- sat in the dressing room and seen it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you, no, you're right. I did see it back on TV. And it, I mean, you, you know, at the time, and you know, at the time when you've been perhaps wrong. Well, I might know more than you because I got sent off. What, did you ever get sent sent off? Twice I've been sent off ahead, but not like that. What was your what mistaken identity or oh, try, t- try, taking the piss out the referees and that? I try to get off of one of their players. <laughs> <laughs> Without even buying him a drink, he's straight, straight in with the tongue on. Because there's there's some that you almost try and mitigate for, where you kind of think I, I can half get away with this, but I, I'd not at this time, and it was just ridiculous. And then the Monday morning, all the like Sky Sports news are there, and you've got to sit and you basically got to take everything that's thrown at you. There was a. I remember reading an article in the Daily Mail, which was just just an absolute character assassination by someone I'd never met, never come across me. But because you do something like that, we do it now. And it's funny when 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 I've covered games when something like that has happened. More often than not, the commentators will 
team me up to, to kind of they, they know what's coming like I can't believe he's I can't believe a player's doing that David Prutton that's a shocking scenes and I'm like <laughs> and it's the same yeah I can't I mean I can't condone that I can understand it a bit but um, but yeah and then and it's having seen and again this is me not trying to uh, rewrite history and mitigate for it, but having seen what's been chucked out for bands in the intervening 15 years for what has been done in any way shape or form when it comes to disciplining players or crowds or anything like that um, it's it's bizarre that that one got so much traction, I think. How were supporters? How was the Southampton supporters were you press? Did they hear you? Um, so I mean, because uh, I was quite, I, I was, you know, I was, I was very sincerely apologetic because I, I it was a total fuck up, and I, it was no one else's fuck up but mine. And um, I, I tried to get myself ahead of it by saying, "Look, I understand I'm going to get battered for this, but don't, don't get it wrong that." You're going to batter yourself, batter me more than I'm going to batter myself because that's what you do. You beat yourself up, and and then you 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 realise that you got this portion of time not playing. But I was, it, it, I mean, I didn't have the balls to say to Harry, like you know what I mean. You don't need me for two months. Can I, can I go off? Because <laughs> I think he would have pro- probably yeah gone to town with me for that. But they were they were they were okay. I think they were all right. I mean, I I think the new. I knew that whenever I was on the pitch, I tried my, I tried my best. I might not have been the most skillful or productive of players, but they knew that I genuinely and generally gave a shit about wanting to do well for them, but just didn't cut myself in glory in that position. So eight-game ban, and then you come back to the final game this season. It's a ten-game ban. Ten-game ban, wow. Ten games for a Shown at Allings, man. Ten games, ten games. And then... Eleven games left of the season. Last game of the season against Man U at home. Hundred degrees. Um, I've not played any form of proper football. I've trained, um, um, and it was that. It was. It, it would have been billed as one of those survival Sundays. And I think out the bottom three. I think all three positions, or maybe maybe the bottom position had been taken. But I think the other two were still. If we'd have won, we'd have been fine. Yeah. But we were playing Man U, <laughs> like we had a fighting chance but I came on and you know what it's like in pre-season when you're heavy legs but when it's the last game of the season and 20 minutes in you're kind of going fucking hell like gasping red hot and just trying your best but nowhere near it and we we went down with an absolute whimper which was very very sad for um, a team that had, and a club that had always been, they were known for the great escape, weren't they? It was not in Matt Letizia turning up, scoring a hat trick of worldies and keeping them in the league and um, seeing them over the line. But we had play, a player that was nowhere near as good as that. We were a squad that wasn't good enough to stay in the Premier League and deservedly probably got relegated. See, when you went on, did Red Knapp say you're going to do Letizia, son? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, no. No, he knew what I was capable of. How was he in the dressing room after you got relegated? Um, there was... It, it was... It was understandably... Everyone was down. The, the, the fitness coach, who was a good friend of mine, obviously, stick to what you're good at, running around and staying fit, rather than actually some of the capacity ball. He was giving out fitness regimes for the summer, and Olivia Bernard and Henri Camera had been on loan. And I'm sure Olivia had said something along the lines of, so I don't need that. I'm not coming back here. <laughs> like literally, like you've gone down. You lot have got no chance of seeing me again. 
just completely poo-pooing it. And, and, and the fitness just kind of walk, like silently seething, walking into the shower and like, <laughs> coming back out and then giving the rest out like that. That's um, unbelievable. And then, but uh, I think Harry, uh, I think probably along the lines of kind of getting getting into next season and we'll build on from there. But having gone back to the, to the pre-season when we all reconvened and um, yeah, like I said, Dennis Wise had joined Dave Bassett had joined, um, and the, so they were like together. And then Bondy, Kevin Bond, and Harry Redknapp were, and we had like almost like factions in the coaching staff. That the, and you could kind of see Harry was was playing along with being the man who had to change gears up. But I think by then he'd realised what he'd managed to get himself into, and was possibly hoping that something might come up to be able to rectify that. And so obviously went back to Pompey, and the rest is history. Uh, just quickly on your last couple of years at Southampton, I need to ask you about yeah. Jack mate. Uh, you talked about John Terry. Average, average player. I, I don't know what ever happened to him, to be honest. Is he, is he doing all right? Who's so? better at that younger age? Who stood out more at a young age, John Terry or Gareth Bale? Two world uh, Well, I, I think, I, I'm sure when John, John must have been 18 or 19 when he came to Forest, whereas Gareth was 16. Wow. Uh, he, he, he came, we'd done, we'd done some pre-season testing and I'd come back and done you, you, like, you comes in two or threes so you do the yo-yo test jump test all that type of stuff so I've done the yo-yo test with him and, and he absolutely ruined me like destroyed you had a fit boy as well but he was just up and down up and down up and down he was this uh, it was this goofy giggly um, immature kid at that time like it would be quite serious when he was with us and not really say much and You'd hear him in his Stokes with the with the U team when he was because they were his mates and then he'd come with us and 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 um, he very quickly established himself as the best player very quickly because he he, he did wonderful things in training very very fit lad I'm sure there was a spell of time when one of our main tactics was rolling out to him at left back him run the length of the pitch either have a shot or cross it in and he um it, it was just he was just a nice kid young kid really young kid same with Theo Walcott nice young kid. Polite enough, didn't cause too much bollocks in the first team dressing room. Got on with his job, um, and he, he was he was a good lad. I was I was chatting to a Southampton journal just the other week, and so seeing obviously how his career had exploded and where he'd gone. I was working at the Euros in Lille back in 2016. Covered the uh, Wales game when they beat Belgium. I think Harv Robson Kahn scored that wonderful Cruyff. Yeah. Goal and, and, and be and before the game, the day before the game, me and the commentator were having a little look at the pitch and doing our due diligence. And the Wales squad walked in, and I had not seen Gareth for well over ten years in, in this time. And then he kind of, so I'm still on the touchline, staying well away from everybody. And he kind of looked over and came walking over, and I was like, again, Richard Goff, like, he <laughs> comes over, and goes, "Hey, Prot, how you doing?" And I'm like, um, very well, Gareth Bale. How are you? Like, I was thinking, is he, has he got the right person here? And then, so the commentator's like trying to get, I was like, hey, this is the commentator, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, man, I was saying, I've not really seen what you've been up to. He's like, oh, yeah, good for that. And he, um, it was just a real, it matured quite a lot, because as yeah. you would, hopefully, in a decade. And But I'd really, as I said about John Terry being a big man, it, it really grown into himself and very confident and, uh, very sure in a good way of himself, but just a nice kid with it as well. And um, when you read about him having to put up with what he could, with Madrid and, and the Madrid fans not necessarily taking to him, and he's 
there with all these Champions League medals slung over his shoulders. You can kind of see and ha- understand how he's managed to do that and what wonderful career he's had. So wait, sorry, at 16, he was the best player in training every day? He was, yeah, pretty much. He was fit, he was powerful, he was very good on the ball, very unassuming, did what the manager told him, did what a lot of the other players told him and didn't didn't cause anyone... You know I mean, you get young lads that are sometimes a bit cocky, sometimes a bit too confident for what perhaps they're bringing to the side. But no, he, he seemed to fit in and understand his place in the team and understand his importance to the team very, very quickly. All right, mate, just last week, but in Southampton, another Scottish manager, George Burley in 2006. Uh, he didn't play much under George. Why was that? He didn't think I was a very good footballer. Did he tell you that? Uh, no, no, I mean, George was... Very set in the sense of he likes playing a certain way, having a, a squad that he can pick the same eleven relatively frequently, doing set pieces. He'd get involved in training, think he was the best player. He's not, he's not shy of a bit of confidence, is he, George? I'll give him that. Um, and he, um, no, I, mean, I remember one Christmas party saying, "Oh, Christmas do not Christmas party, Christmas do," and it, it was, it was all the staff, and it was, it was fans, etc. Me and him were chatting near the end and he said, come on, props, wasn't it? I'd been injured and I need you to get fit. I need you in the, t- the tide. And I thought, it's nice that you're saying that, but I mean, I'm getting nowhere near any of your teams unless you have a, I don't know, some global pandemic kicks in or anything like that. But so there wasn't, I'd, yeah, I'd, I had no chance of getting in his side. And I'm, I'd gone to Leeds on a, to, to, for a medical at Leeds. And I thought he was all fully aware of it. So I get a phone call in the morning as I'm sat, waiting for my medical medical records to come from Southampton in Leeds. Uh, Pruss just wondering away why training's at 10. I'm like, I'm, I'm in Yorkshire. What are you doing there? I'm having a medical, for Christ's sake. With who? Leeds. All right. He's like, is it in Leeds? Do we, we okay this? Uh, really? Like, yeah. I've not played for six months. I'm nowhere near... What, what do you think is happening? And then... I failed their medical, which was great. So I had to go back to Southampton tonight to um, to get my ankle sorted, which they were great. I mean, they've got a duty care, obviously. You've got to be able to get your, your the physical side of the game sorted. And, but again, got back to full fitness, still didn't play on the left. And then you went uh, spell at Forest before joining Leeds in 2007. Dennis Wise was a gaffer. He was. As he, as he seems, is he a little cockney who puts out a bit? It's a good laugh, yeah. He, he took, I turned, so when I'd left Southampton in that January, I turned Leeds down. Uh, Wisey was the manager. They were coming out of the championship. They weren't doing very well. I wanted to go back to Forest for some um, familiarity, get my feet back on the ground and get playing again. Because I played with Wisey. He said, you sure you don't want to come to Leeds, Pruss? I said, you sure? I said, Wisey, I just think it's best if I go there. Well, yeah, I, I, you can piss off because I'm not going to ring you again. This this is your last chance to join Leeds United. Wisey, like, I, I appreciate it. I just think... Going back to Forest would be a better thing. Went back to Forest, got sent off in the playoffs for them. They quite obviously, Colin Calderwood, sorry, Prutz, I don't think we're going to be offering you a contract. Gaffer, I totally understand. I fucked it up for you and for everyone. See you later. No club. Rang Wisey. Any chance? What? After him telling you, not know, right? Yeah, after telling me to piss off. And he'd magically forgotten about that. I was like, yes. So went there. Uh, no contract because there were on the knees financially in administration he said as soon as we get some money we can start paying you which happens quicker than I thought it would but again he he was true to his word good as gold he he was telling me about this 
young striker that they got from non-league. He was like, oh, Jermaine Beckford. I said, who? He said, oh, he'll score his goals. And I was thinking, where's he from? Wheelstone. I said, brilliant. I remember saying, well, mate, what do you think of Lisa? I said, Jesus, we're, we're going to give it a go. Half the lads aren't getting paid. We've got a lad from, from down south who I've never heard of. And obviously, Jermaine hit the ground running, top scorer, got Leeds back into the championship over the course of a couple of years. But Wise was good with Gus Poyer, who was fantastic. Gus was great. Poyer was fantastic. He was great. Again, he, he was a uh, very stereotypical kind of Central South American histrionics with a lot of things. Again, another former top-level player that was joining training and still be the best player there. But he, it was a couple of training games that he took part in. And it, it was almost like they had to stop him and get him off the pitch because he was absolutely running the game. Uh, I mean, stopping the opposition, getting forward. Just amazing. And a really, really, really good lad with it. Really good lad. And then he left to go to be... I think he, was, he went to go and be uh, one day Ramos' number two at Spurs. Yeah. So he left. And then why is he... Why is he then brought... Then Dave Bassett came back in as, as this manager of Mary Goran goes in. Wait, wait, sorry. He replaced Gus Poy with Dave with Bassett. Dave Bassett, which um which I mean I mean slightly different approaches, I think is safe to say. Um and by this time, he, um I, I mean, like I said, I've always got I've always got on well with Dave. I mean, great at getting people's names wrong. We had Martin Craney down at Southampton, it was Marvin Craney, which was just Marvin sounds like a sounds like sounds like a soul singer, don't it? Or Marvin Craney, and then he came in to help Dennis. Dennis left to go to Newcastle to to be director of football. I mean, um, we all know how that went up there, and it's it's the, the, the polarizing of opinion, opinions of what he, what he is to people up there. And then we had a surreal training session down. We were playing Luton and then Southend on a Saturday, then a, then a Tuesday. So we trained. Dennis had left before the game against Luton. Um, no, left. Sorry, left after the game against Luton to go up north. We had a training session where we started with with three coaches. By the end of it, uh, I think it was uh, John Gannon had left after the set pieces because he knew he wasn't sticking around. Someone else left in the interim, and then Dave said goodbye on the coach after the training sessions. Like. Right, cheers, lads. See you later. It's been a pleasure working with you for however long it is. Uh, someone else is coming in. So we, we drive back to the hotel. There's a goalie coach left. We've got a game on the Tuesday. And was going, well, who's, who's taking the game? So then Gwyn, Gwyn Williams, who was Ken Bates' right-hand man, had never left the training ground, then came down, took us for this game, which was farcical. Um, we obviously lost. And then... I think a couple of days later, Gary Mack strolled in and then took us in a completely different direction. So you just on wise quickly. Was there any of the old Wimbledon? Would he, would he tell any of the stories? Was there any of the same techniques that he would use? He, he was. He was. Um, there, there was. There was one game that where we all. He, he used to get different people in, but this might have been when he was at Southampton. But I specifically remember a game where we where we all had a little nip of brandy each. Before the game. So, I mean, for the first 10 minutes, you're thinking, am I lightheaded because I'm tired? Or am I lightheaded because I've just had some brandy on a totally empty stomach before I've started running around? And he, um, he, um, he had, a, he had a, a assistant, Joe Allen, who played with him at Chelsea, or played for Chelsea way back when. And um, 
again, thick as thieves and, and very much someone that, that that was there as a trusted confidant who was there literally just to have a bit of crack. Yeah. And why has he loved that type of thing? He, he um, again, still a very, very fit lad, still a, a lad that could um, join in in training. And he, um, he, he, was, he was just really good. And it's, it's amazing when you come across these lads. I remember I played against Wise when he was at Chelsea and he was a horrible little sod. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, all that kind of, remember the, the Nicky Butt stuff of picking him up by his neck. Are oh, you all right, but You know what I mean? And him trying to knock one on him. But he was, he was vicious when it came to playing against him. But as a manager, a lot of time for him. Really, really liked the way he did it. And I mean, I think he went up to Newcastle on probably about, five or six times what he was on at Leeds for after work so I mean why wouldn't you go see the brandy quickly was it compulsory like, did everyone have to take it I'm sure there might have been one or two lads that for religious reasons or or professional reasons because they're about to <laughs> go and play a football match didn't think that a shot of brandy was going to be the best best thing for us but I think it was a shot of brandy along with like a different person saying a different thing which ranged from somebody trying to say Somewhat poetic, probably me trying to say something dead sensible and really kind of come on, lads. So, someone just going, ah, let's go, lad, as you would after a shot of brandy after two on a Saturday afternoon without kicking on for the rest of the day. Brilliant. And then, as you say, Gary McAllister comes in, obviously, assistant manager up at Rangers now, uh, legend as a player at Leeds as well. Uh, how is yep. he manager? It's good, it's good. Again, a manager that liked me and wanted me to play and gave me a new contract, so he'll always be good as gold for me in my eyes. He he was all he, again another ex-player that was in good nick. There was one. There was one. Um, there was. He, he used. He, he used to. When I, when I, when I mentioned Paul Stewart before about suiting a boot for a game. I mean, Gary Mack. He's, he's, he's still in trim. I mean, he's got a very sharp kind of set of suits that he wore. And on this one time, this kind of like metallic. I'm not saying a metallic blue suit is very sharp, but he, he obviously felt the bollocks in it. And he. And um, after every game. Uh, at Leeds the catering was unbelievable this was before you get the old pizza this was like gourmet chicken goujons these lovely kind of triple cup chips and all this type of stuff and I mean on a good day it was basically like a free-for-all to get in from the ground from the game to have the first kind of batch of chicken that would come out and he was he was talking us through how excellent he thought we were before mid-conversation it's like fucking hell, I think he's going to choke on that bit of chicken that he's got in his hand like it was <laughs> <laughs> like Steve Staunton you're kind of thinking is, is it like Heimlich time and he's like <laughs> brilliant second half lads well done <laughs> he was trying to hold it together because he almost choked on a chicken goujon because they were that nice he was like I can't finish the team talk I've got to have a goujon first and make sure I'm first to the queue but he was great he was great I had a lot of time for Gary a lot of time for Gary when he says in training and that he'd give the ball away he'd be like what are you doing well are you, he, he used to for some reason, I was on set pieces for a portion of time. <laughs> and, you know, when... Best set piece, he's the best set piece taker in the world, is not he? And, and he had... The, 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 the one that he was most synonymous for was that chip to the front okay. post, which was either a flick on for whoever was there or, or a layoff on the chest for someone coming in for a shot. And my responsibility on this certain Friday was to practice this. The whole squad there, you're doing kind of 11 v 11. And he went, right, look, just a punchy, you know the way delightful stroke. Just punch it there. I mean, it didn't even make a noise. He did just put it there, like ten, like on the tenth go. It's like it'll be all right on the day. Let's move on. It, like just, just kind of looking, going, and, and again, a great player that's looking at Muppets, going, can't you just be better at your job than you are? 
just quickly, you said about Snoddy, you kind of believe that he's never international Premier League. No. Why is that? When he turned up, he was in, again, me saying I'm not a big fan of cars, but I'm sure it was some form of whatever a Supra is, like a Toyota, like some like, like wannabe sports car, which is, is pretty naff. And he, uh, this black thing, I'm, I'm sure I had a spoiler on the back, really sure I had a spoiler on the back. Probably still. He, probably, yeah. And, he, and again, got out of it like a bag of shit. And um, he, he um, but I just, just didn't, I just, uh, Gary Mack was raving about him. And, it, and I think, where did he come from? Was it Livingston? Livingston, I heard. Livingston. So he'd come down and, and he was quite quiet to start with. And then when he got comfortable, the snods that I think everyone has come across and knows and loves um, came, to, came to fruition because he's a funny, funny lad. Very, very funny lad, isn't he? And he's, he's um, he, he, he mongy sod as well. Any pass that wasn't to him, like a Matt Ritchie, any pass that wasn't to him was the wrong pass, you know what I mean? And shrieking hysterically if he didn't get the right pass. And, and again, another this sliding doors moment when Simon Grayson had come into play, uh, when after Gary Mack had left, Simon Grayson came in to manage. Snods wasn't it? I was keeping Snods out of the team like well, a right wide... Right. A wide right or and you know when you think about what was the manager seeing then and then Snod in this in this game that I'd, I'd been ineffectual in I came off Snods came on scored either the winner or the equaliser and that was his Leeds career up and running so again my inadequacy inadvertently catapulted him to fame and fortune and then Simon Grayson comes in mate and I'm convinced he never played you because of your hair and his hair <laughs> Probably, yeah, and and probably because I wasn't. Yeah, it, it, there was a, there was another player. Bradley Johnson was on loan at, at Brighton at the time when Brighton weren't the Brighton that they are now. There were yeah. there were the with Dean. I mean, they were bouncing around training grounds. Um, he got brought back, played a starring role for Leeds. Me and Simon, and having done doing the job that I do now, I worked with him a lot and get on with him really really well. Just didn't fancy me as a player. Never played me. Um, he would he'd come in, name the same subs, the same team, very low-key, dressing room chat. Training was the same every day. If you're in the side, great. If you weren't in the side, you're like, Jesus, doing the same thing again. And, and just very likes a low maintenance dressing room and probably reliable players. Again, and that just, I didn't fit what he wanted or what he was after at that moment in time. And um, I, I actually, I went to go and see him Again, we had a double header down south, and I ended up going to Colchester midway through this double header. I went to go and see him just to ask. Um, I just finalised, right? Cheers for everything that you've <laughs> you've done for me, which is sod all. But cheers. I'm now moving on. Uh, one less thing to worry about. As I, I said, just and I, and again, my memory being what it is, I'm sure he was just out of the shower in a towel, like answer half answering the door, like. Yeah, like, like, not I'm going to come in and knock you out in a towel. Uh, I wasn't in a towel, he was in a towel. Yeah. Um, which would have been weird if I'm walking through the corridors ready who to... Looked better, who looked better in a towel? Ron Atkinson or Simon Grayson? Well, Big Ron wore is higher. So, it was, I mean, the, the margin for comparison was slightly smaller. But both, I mean, managers of a certain degree wear towels in a certain way, don't they? And um, I just said, can, can I ask the question why I didn't get more game time? I was a, For midfield places... Central midfield was Johnny House and Bradley Johnson, Michael Doyle, uh, and Neil Kilkenny. All yeah, very, very good. 
very good footballers. And he and Simon being Simon, um, kind of, uh, uh, I said it's fine. You can you can say it's because you're not you don't think I'm as good as it. It's absolutely fine. I mean, there's no disgrace in not being as good as so. Well, no, well, you know what I mean. Well, you never know. It. So no, don't sorry, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry. I I kind of get what you mean. So it's fine. And it was very much shake your hands and move on. But like I said, subsequently work with them has been good as gold. Right, mate. We're just going to talk the last wee bit about Swindon. You said that Dennis Wise gave you a brandy before a game one time. You must have felt like you were on the brandy for a year at Swindon. My God. I mean, what, if... What happened that year? We, we, were, we were awful. <laughs> and I, I went into that with the highest of hopes. As you know, I, there were several players there that I'd already played with. Dave yeah. Lucas, Jonathan... Uh, Douglas and Alan Sheehan and had glowing reports about the dressing room. Gordon Greer I knew of, uh, about what a good close-knit bunch of people it was and how close you'd got. Was it the playoff final that he'd lost in the season before? Yeah. Um, and thought, oh, don't, don't, I fancy a bit of that. I, I turned down the chance to go to Brentford, and it wasn't the same Brentford, and Brighton, Gus was at Brighton, right. and said, come here, come and live on the South Coast. We're going to play a certain way. Uh, and I just fancied coming to Swindon and thinking it would be all right. Obviously, history tells us that Brighton absolutely sauntered and passed their way to the to the next division and then moved into a glorious new stadium. And now we're an established Premier League side. I might have totally fucked that up. So let's be honest. I mean, that again, maybe for them, they're going, thank God that didn't actually happen. Uh, and then thinking that coming to Swindon would be great. Gordon Greer left about a week after I joined, maybe 10 days, and I thought, he's a pretty good player to be letting go of, club captain, and he went to, I think, and I think Brighton had offered him more, uh, a longer contract and possibly more money, which is what shock horror you do if you want to keep a footballer. You don't just say, can you stay for a bit longer on the same money, even though people are offering you more, please. And then when they tell you to piss off, you're left there scratching your head. Um, And it it just, I've got on well with Danny, uh, and um, obviously Peter Shirtliff but it just when I look back on it now and I said about playing for clubs and Forrest being a young lad and you took dressing room spirit for granted not for granted but you just presumed it was always going to be the case the more I think about it now it, the chemistry of that place was just all wrong I, I remember a, a, a psychologist coming in probably about a third of the way through the season and him sitting us down and chatting to us. And even, and you know what they're like, they've got to be upbeat, they've got to be effusive, they've got to be, they've basically got to be that annoying fucker in the room that's like happy, not, not needlessly happy, but happy enough to be able yeah. to get people to think a certain way. The look on his face when it dawned on him was that this, that this group of players together just didn't fit. And he was like, even he walks out going, I ain't Dougie, I ain't Dougie told me it was all of the shite didn't I? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when the club captain goes, what, what do you think? I think this is all rubbish. And you go, and you go right, I, I don't think that's going to work, getting us back, or getting us anywhere near good. Um, and, that, and that turned out to be the case. The, the thing that I've always wondered about that, because, uh, and again, me and you playing similar positions, but being different players, yeah. I always thought, because I... Jonathan Douglas is, is a very, very good friend of mine. It's a, a lad that I've got a lot of in, an interest with and a lot of common ground, a lot of history. Um, but I think the dovetailing of you and him, this is me basically saying you and him in midfield is, was an infinitely better pairing than me and him in midfield. And history would show that by getting to a playoff final. And I kind of came in and upset the apple cart 
quite obvious. And, I mean, we and I, 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 I quite obviously... Say that again. We had Gordon Greer behind us and we had Billy Painter and Charlie Austin up front. You had Thomas DeSabie and Vincent Perricat. Which, which even on their best days, we, we can't compare, can we? But I, I just, I mean, and you know, you know, when you're a, a, a player, you come into a, a dressing room and a club, and I was always um, confident enough in my position in a club to not come in and just start kind of swinging your dick around, but but being confident enough to think that I've come, I've come to play, and I mean, I'm in this position, and not that I don't think I was. This is me. This is not me, like retrospectively going, Simon Ferry. I'm so sorry for being a dick to you when I was young. It's not me saying that at all. It's just me thinking that when you, when you, because football is a team game made up of eleven very selfish players that have to look after themselves. You make a move, you want to come and establish yourself, but I just think what, what, with the way that you dovetailed into that side, and and. Maybe what you brought to that side was was a different proposition and possibly less of a headache for Danny, to be honest, because um, as it kind of panned out, Danny was the one who bit the bullet for it, as, as managers do. But th- that team, that club got relegated by the players, not by anybody that was in charge yeah. of that, that team at all. No, you were playing heavy, but we still got on, didn't we? Oh, God, no, but I thought you were a funny little sod. I'll, I'll give you that. Because you saw this, this kick come in with and obviously me being of a certain vintage I was wearing still wearing bootcut and I vividly remember you caring me for wearing bootcut jeans at the time because I mean you were wearing jeans I could see both of you knackers perfectly I mean there was so I mean one's like categorically bigger than the other which is most disconcerting but and yeah I mean and you you the Barney and I mean pristine trainers and I mean every every day was a fashion day, wasn't it for you? It was, yeah. which was um, but and I I just because you were slightly younger than me and just a just a funny lad and I was and but the other side of it is if you were funny and didn't try a lick in training or tossed it off. Not saying I'm the old professional that wants things done right, but if you were funny and you're dicking about, it'd be different. But you were a good player and you're a funny lad with it and sharp, which I I've got. A lot of time for and yes, I, I, th- I thought we got we got on absolutely fine. I mean, other uh, I mean other parts of the squad. But, I mean, another uh, Alan O'Brien, uh, a mutual <laughs> oh, friend of ours, who was such a lovely. I mean, how he got to. I, I don't mean this from a, a, uh, an ability point of view, but having got to where he got to in football by being as nice as he was, you're kind of thinking, why isn't someone? And this might sound odd. Why isn't this game? trampled you to, to death by now because it's full of awful people that see any form of niceness as a bit of a word. But he was so, just such a lovely, lovely kid. And I mean, light, lightning fast. And we, we the Christmas deal that we had in Manchester, and we ended up in Mojo, stood on the seat singing along to Champagne Soups. I mean, you I mean, an Oasis song that we all know in our sleep, the very fibre of what we've all <sighs> grown up with. And we're all belting it out. It's gone quiet and... You just look, Al being as lovely as he is, and I love to be part of the group in China and a bit returning. Looked home and said, Can't believe you mind that, Al. Just can't believe you mind that. You were friends, mate. You can sing. And he's like, Fuck off. And he genuinely had to like mouth along to the words, even though we're all going, Someday you were like sounding horrendous. And you picked him up on the fact that he's not actually said a word. He was so funny, so sharp. Just stuff like that, I remember. Really, really funny. All right, ponder to me. When did you. Was it towards the end? Because I never heard you speak about Pundit too. Obviously, Swindon was coming towards the end of your career. Uh, I never really heard you mention it. 
No, I, I was fortunate enough to get out of the wreckage of what Swindon was uh, and go and play uh, up at Chef Wednesday for a bit. And then I uh, got injured, ended up at Coventry City on loan for the last for the last three months of whatever season it was, which turned out to be my very last season playing. Got to the end of that season and Stephen Presley said, "Get his, let's get safe and we'll talk contracts. Never, never heard from him until I saw him. Uh, in a bar in Brentford about six months ago because he was yeah, working down the <laughs> so, I was, I was singing, mate, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> it, it was, and he was good. I get on with Stephen really, really well. And it was, Coventry went in a different direction, apparently. Um, and I, so it got to, uh, end of, uh, so you finish in May, don't you? It got to mid-May, kind of thinking, mm, that's what's going on. Obviously, you're having chats at home about... Any, heard anything from your agent? Agents kind of disappeared. Got to June, thinking mm, this is a bit, bit bizarre now. And then got into the latter end of June into July, and I emailed a, <clears throat> a producer that I work with, just I just telling him the lie of the land. I said, "This is what's going on. I'd like to carry on playing if I can." Um, but if you've got, and I've done a couple of bits towards the end of my in the last season that I was playing, a couple of guesting type bits. Um, and they'd said it'd gone relatively well. And I said, if there's any more chance of doing that, it'd be great. And I said, I might have a bit more free time to do a bit more of it as and when it comes up. And it, it, and in that off-season, in the, it going into pre-season, the best offer I got footballing-wise was to go on trial at Hartlepool. I mean, it's only up the road for me, but I can't... It, got, it, it literally got to that stage where it wasn't even someone saying, here's a six-month contract or here's, here's a year on whatever. It was literally, can you come up and we'll have a look at it. And I thought, not, not really, to be honest. Um, so then I'd, I'd kind of gone a tentative toe in the water and the games were coming up thick and fast and managed to keep my diary pretty, pretty busy and ticking along for six months, a year or so when you're trying to get your foot in the door. So it was, it was, it was timing is big thing, big thing in football, big thing out of football. See, whose idea was it to go from being the pundit to the presenter? Was it Sky that approached you? They asked me. I, I got. Um, I remember being on the phone to producer Sean Boyle, who's who's been wonderful for me and, and, and for Sky in general. And it kept breaking up and he kept talking about the Checker Trade trophy. And I was just presuming it was a game that he wanted me to do. And it, I, not that I was getting all right, but I was, yeah, I was like, yeah, I can, I can do it. Yeah. He's like, no, wait, 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 wait. It's like, yes, yes, I can. When is it? It's fine. For fuck's sake, yes. And then it came through and went, we want you to present the... And I was like, oh, all right, uh, yeah, th- that's amazing. And what I found with, well, without getting too philosophical, but most things in your career or in life, you, 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 I want to say, don't say yes to anything. I don't, don't say yes to everything, kids, because Jesus Christ, that can get you in a lot of trouble. But to say, to be as positive and as, and as confident and as proactive is normally stands you in good stead. He said, do you want to present? I said, absolutely, give me a go. And obviously that's different as you know doing this. It's, um, I like the responsibility that comes with it, but what comes with it when you first start doing it is instead of sat there scratching your ass thinking of witty things to say or informative bits of, of um, insight, you've got to drive the chat, you've got to uh, hope the structure of the, of the of the uh, thing works and um from that minute one that we did it there's a big there's two big sets of trucks that cover the game so there's a director there's a producer there's graphics there's all kinds of evs operators who do replays etc and i got the general feeling that 
majority of people in the truck were rooting for me to do a good job. So that first one that I remember doing, I came in and daft things got high five off the director, producer. They also shit loads to work on, obviously, but we enjoyed what you did and we're glad that you got through it. Do you get nervous doing it, Prats? Is it a different kind of thing to a game? Um, oh, it, it, it's... I much prefer doing this to playing football. Much Thank prefer. You. Yeah, yeah. We we I've been fortunate enough to work on playoff games at Wembley, which are fantastic. And having played at Wembley in a playoff game, I remember going back in my suit and just sat there thinking, thinking, "Thank Christ, I'm not putting a kit on and running around that pitch." Just thank God I'm here because I just looked at it and felt knackered. <laughs> I thought I can't last ninety minutes. Well, not that I ever did. It's only about sixty minutes when I got the old. Come on, mate. <laughs> If we've, we've had an hour of that, whatever that is, so time for someone else. Um, but no, no, I mean, the, the first kind of times that you do it, you you think about it a lot and you, you can, there's the nerves in a way, but I, I just really look forward to doing it. I love the people that we get on to chat to. I love the people that we work with. It all sounds very twee. I've missed it a lot in, in the intervening kind of few months that we've, we've not been doing it and just approached it in a... Um, a football intent as footballers you know when you've been crap very quickly you know when you've been good very quickly and I, I was saying to him I said if you're watching something that you don't like tell me and I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to stop doing it if, if you like something that I'm doing I'll try to do more of that and again going back to those things of being hopefully reliable hopefully there to be able to uh, provide some form of insight but being again I'm, you fellas I'm sure can allude to it if someone's easy to work with and get along with if you're going to spend a long amount of time that we've spent together chatting about this probably more than you wanted but if you're going to spend a portion of time uh, being in each of this company don't be a dick <laughs> just get on with it and um, and then you've got to make sure that that passion that you have for the game um, and understanding that yes it's the most important thing in the world but it's a game of football and when that 90 minutes is finished reality kicks in again and putting it hopefully into perspective that that comes across and people enjoy it who did you get a good laugh for when they're on, pundit-wise? Who did what? Who did you get a good laugh for, pundit-wise, when they're on? Um, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's a funny fella. He's he's <laughs> still very much in that... Into, yeah, I mean, he can look terrified, can't he? I mean, you get the thousand-yard stare off Jimmy and you know you've asked him the wrong question. You're going to go... Oh, but um, he, he's very much... Because when you're mic'd up, as we've seen has happened to far bigger and more famous people than me, when you're mic'd up, there's always somebody listening somewhere. There's always somebody recording something somewhere. And Jimmy's, I mean, the amount of times I've kind of, the producer said to me, oh, can you tell Jimmy to stop swearing in the studio? Not when not when we're doing it, but when the yeah. game's on. And there's me trying to tell Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Jimmy, do you mind watching your language, mate? It's not really what we're after, to be honest. Or somebody telling me a story about, like, what's what's happened in a dressing room way back when. And I'm, again, mics are in live. I'm like, that, that, that type of banter doesn't go down too well with normal people. Can we keep it down, please? That story about someone going to the toilet, not in a toilet, they won't find it funny. And of course, I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> so, so it's, um, but, and they're all, they're all, I'm trying to think of anyone who's, who's come across as peculiar or anyone that's, Everyone's kind of got their head around being a certain way uh, and knowing and understanding that if if you come in and, and act a certain way, I'm not saying that we're the be-all and end-all for that, but if you come in and act a certain way, you, you might not come back again, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you come in and, and think that 
Clinton things of it. Oh, I mean, you can't help but love Clinton. Jesus, yeah. he, he's he um he he's he's a he's a good example. I tell you what, he's a good example of someone that came in and thought it was a certain way, and I'm not saying that he paid lip service to it, but asked through different channels about what to do, what might help, listened to that advice, and 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 did something about it, which I, I've I've got nothing but respect and admiration for for someone that does that because sitting there because i think i think it's the, the it's the nature of it's changed and watching the bits that you've done as well that um want and need and thirst for seeing footballers with character personality and something a bit different to sit there and throw out cliches doesn't work i don't think and even from the top ones down to the bottom i've not um had the pleasure of, of, of working with what you would class as, I mean, obviously big names, but I mean, it, the, the Gary Neville's, the Jamie Carragher's, the Graham Souness's went, because as, as presumably when Graham starts talking, you, you'd be an idiot not to shut up and just kind of listen to what he's got to say. Yes, it's slightly different, perhaps generationally from what we're hearing now, but he's won most things as a footballer domestically that you could ever wish to win. So you you listen, you you, uh, you you drink it in and that bit of personality that you see between Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville, again, I, I think adds another level to it and, and the different questions. So the dynamics of a, of a Kelly Cates asking um, the questions and her sense of humour and bringing a lightness to what, or bringing something different out in, in the pundits. And you're always trying to hopefully make sure that you, you, you get to the crux of what you want to talk about, but you've fundamentally got to be yourself. And as I said, sitting and watching you talking to different people and, and getting answers out of it and taking the piss and allowing them the platform to be able to ask or to say what they want to say in a certain way. I think it dovetails into how you approach it, hopefully. Thanks very much. Um, is that the aim then, to get to work with the big names? I mean, I, I it's not, I love every, every level of football that I work on, I've loved. And again, it sounds a bit tweaked, doesn't it? It sounds a bit like, mm, it's a lovely, nice one, Proxton. But I, thoroughly understand and appreciate what it is never a day even playing, even obviously some days playing football were crap weren't they especially when we were hanging out together not you specifically but some days when people couldn't get a passenger all right and you had to stand out there for hours and hours longer than you needed to but it's never been a proper job neither and, and approaching this and hopefully you keep skipping in as long as you possibly they want you to skip in and being able to chat with those would be great. I've got the utmost respect for the lads that I work with and, and the people that I work with and more than happy to carry on doing this and covering the football that we do for as, as long as they want me. And never coaching me. Will, be, will this be the job now for the rest of the, the career? Or do you fancy well, the coach? Touch work. I mean, how many uh, ex-teammates of ours uh, and, uh, do, you, do you talk to that are coaches? Not a lot. Not a lot. The ones that you speak to... Um, you live and die by the players that you've got. You yeah. live and die by the people that you know. Uh, you get passed up for jobs because people might know people because inherently football can be quite a um, paranoid and cynical game. People want to be surrounded by people that they trust. And I think that is slowly changing, but it's a hell of a lot of hard work um, for something where you place your trust week in, week out in the 11 players that you get picked and put on the side. I, I, I love the element of if you were as Jose Mourinho looking a million dollars, a pep looking a million dollars, 
fundamentally changing the way that the artistry of football comes across to the general public, I would very much be up for that. Not being in a crowd of 1,500 people where there's some geezer behind the dugout giving me pelters for an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon because the 11 that I've picked have been crap. That, that, because I'm a cynic, in the nicest possible sense, that's where I'd be. And <laughs> it would get on my nerves. You would definitely be a, a Paul Sturrock, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, it'd be like why isn't he pointing at people because his sweat patches are a joke why does he keep his arms by his side has it, has it, never, has it never been something that you wanted to look into I, I, co- I was coaching the kids in the Celtic mate but um, I'm a first team coach at Peterhead is now as well so I, I quite want to do it but see, I, I'm used to people saying that I'm shite on my career so I can but what, what do you, do you is there a frustration or is there or a, a, a frustration when things that go according to plan is or an understanding that that is just the way it is because you're not doing it yourself. I mean, you're not hands-on doing, you're not in the middle of that of that football match doing what you possibly can do into it. You, you, you're there, but you're on the sidelines. Yeah, definitely. So I get frustrated now when I'm playing that I'm not on the side. Basically, the team's not playing how I want them to play. I'm the first team coach. I take training and I play in the games. I would ultimately like to be the guy that decides everything. Why not, Chris? I mean, you see some guys that have done it and they've done really well and you'll know working with them don't do anything special by average. So why, why should I not give it a bash? Um, I've never thought about that. Well, you're absolutely right, yeah. No, I think, I think um, I've, like I said, I've got different teammates that see it in different ways. Some are, some are nicely positioned in the development side of getting players through into a first team. Yeah. Um, some are at the very kind of cold face of... of of being first team coaches, um, and they've got different experiences of it. it it's it's twenty seven hour days, nine days a week. You know what I mean? Can you go and watch this play? Can you go? To, and I'm, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't like doing that, but um, having had the um, privilege of being able to see it from this side, and it's, I tell I tell what's funny as well when you when I first started doing it, and what you had to make sure that you got across to the players and the managers that you were speaking to was you you suddenly got banded with being in the media. So you'd have half a conversation and then stop and go, what are you going to do with this? It's like, yeah. nothing. I'm just, a, it's not my interest in. <laughs> and B, I'm, we're just having a chat here. And we, once you got on the reds around that, it was slightly different. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, that, you know, when they talk about um, missing the banter and, and missing the dressing room and all that type of stuff, I, I, I've, never, I've never come out of it thinking, you, you I mean, that's, there's a big hole in my life. And again, I understand that's a privileged position to be in because we get to go to games and take games in and there's a real camaraderie in that. But, you know what I mean? Seeing you I mean, with your knackers out and doing your barnet, I mean, I can, if, I never see, if I never see that again this week, I'll be all right. Brats, <laughs> what a hero. Thanks very much, mate. Anytime. Keep up the good work, my friend, and hope Thank you me. and the rest of the crew there are all very, very well. New Jersey can get a piece of the action at BetMGM Sports. Sign up today and start with a risk-free bet up to $500. It's a once-in-a-lifetime summer for sports fans, and there's never been a better time to discover BetMGM Sports. Download the BetMGM app or go to BetMGM.com to make your first bet risk-free. Must be 21 years or older. Must be in New Jersey. Restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for full list of terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Come to CVS for immunity support. 
from hand wipes to vitamins that are third-party tested, plus free flu shots for the whole family. Visit CVS today. No-cost flu shots with most insurance. Restrictions apply. Visit cvs.com and cvs.com slash tested for details. The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts.